thing i'm just kidding buzz alien aliens we talked movies movies if you want to check out that bonus bit on the uh cu podcast you can i mean the patreon the patreon well still bonus bit welcome to the cu podcast bonus cu podcast bit welcome to the cu podcast non-movie edition for uh monday a monday what june 20th what the hell's going on (laughs) the last day of spring is is summer tomorrow or wednesday 2022 Spring is has has been sprung and it's almost done. Uh, spring well, sprang. Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, um, we'll be talking about uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Yes, of course. Uh, graded VHS tapes. Is it the next big thing or another scam? Get in early. Get in early. Uh, <laughs> uh, an up up an update to the. Update to the WADA lawsuit, a quick one, and then a Patreon poll and Q&A. But yes, we did talk about movies on the exclusive uh, CU podcast uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash CU podcast. What else did you do this weekend? You yelled at me about Buzz Lightyear. What did I do uh, this weekend? Um, I saw Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) I I played Shredder's Revenge. I mean, that's what I did. And I tried to relax for the first, uh, for the first Weekend in about 12 weeks, I think I didn't work that Two much. Two weeks. Uh, 12 weeks. I 12 weeks, I know. I, I didn't work on the book at all this weekend. I didn't work on anything outside of, well, I guess, well, it worked. The, the game was fun, but that's work for the podcast because we're reviewing it uh, as well. So why, why am I recording a, why recording a day early? Because I'm leaving on a jet plane, the Red Eye tonight, going to Pennsylvania uh, to visit my family and too many games uh, this weekend in Oaks, PA. June 24th to 26th. My panel's on Saturday. I'll be there uh, selling stuff with pal Antoinette. Great artist. She sells stickers and T-shirts. And she's, she's usually my con wifey. Uh, she helps me sell. I help her manage. We, we help each other out in terms of uh, you know managing the booth and stuff. And I'll have my books and, and enamel pins and such uh, there. Um, I, uh, I went to a hot sauce convention over okay. the weekend. That was uh, incredibly fun. Uh, very well run. Um, not going to get into it too much. I do that for the other podcast. But there was, uh, for a first year event, it was extremely organized. Were there panels and guests? Uh, well, there was, no, there was eating contests on a big stage. And then there were bands oh. in between. But there were like 50 fucking hot sauce vendors. So you have vendors, you have a band, they had uh, vendors, bands, eating, eating contests, contest. and then lots of like food stalls was, too. What, did, did the hot sauce have to be included in the eating contest? No, the eating contests were hot. They, yeah, they were spicy eating contests. Well, what, what, remember what foods? They were? Uh, so they did. Uh, I'm trying to remember all of them. There was uh, Masubi Mayhem, so they did spam Masubi. There was uh, Lumpia of Regret. Okay. Uh, Noodle Nightmare. Noodle Nightmare. Noodle Nightmare. That sounds like the worst thing to do for an event like that. That's what was just start coming out your nose when it comes up. Uh, Noodle Nightmare. Uh, there was a uh, Gator Toes one. Gator Toes are dehydrated, uh, like crunchy garlic. 
Oh, not gator toes. That they're called gator toes. They're not actually crunchy gator. garlic. It's crunchy dehydrated garlic that they put like spices and seasoning. Raw garlic that's dehydrated. It's so good. Yeah, it's really really not tasty. cooked garlic. Okay. No. Um, it, yeah. It's really mild once you dehydrate okay, it because you're probably pulling all those bitter oils. Oh, up. Okay. Um, very tasty. And it's like a funyun when you're eating it, basically. Yeah, it's crunchy. Uh, I would have loved to have done the lumpia one, but that one started shortly after we got there. I love lumpia. I've never uh, had that. Lumpia, it's like tiny little crispy spring rolls. They're Philip. Uh, they're I believe Filipino in origin. Um, they're delicious. Oh, are those uh, are those sort of the, similar to the ones that um, uh, Yoshi gave me some. He brought over like literally. They're smaller. They're like. Oh yeah, I think he actually told me that he had given you a bunch of lumpia. Yeah, yeah, lumpia is delicious. Yeah, they're 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 like they're like less less fill more killer less filler when it comes to it. there's less less of a shell on it. Less of it. There's there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a yeah light crispy shell and then usually filled with meats or vegetables. Yeah, they're they're delicious. They're awesome. They're lumpia fantastic. is amazing. Um, but yeah, I you know every single booth, everything they had on offer was sampleable. Sampleable. So by the time John and I finished, we had probably both consumed the equivalent of like two bottles of hot sauce in our gut. Oh, volcano ass is coming. Yeah. And oh, it, volcano <laughs> ass is coming. It hurt later oh, that night. Oh, boy. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, I love hot sauce. And the nice thing was, is like, this is not the late 90s, early 2000s, where every fucking hot, every, you know, boutique hot sauce is called like Roid Ripper or some bullshit like that. You know, ass blasted uh, anus uh, juice. I, I, okay. Uh, I wasn't in the scene back then, Ian. I don't no, remember that. No, I mean, that. You, you've probably seen I've, I've the hot heard, sauces. They all had stupid fucking bravado like names. A, like so, a turtle's head on fire on yeah, the cover. And, and they all like wanted that. to be the hottest fucking thing you ate. And it was nice to go to this because there were, John and I really do like, you know, very hot stuff, but there was tons of sauces. Was tasty sauces. There was tons of hot sauces that, yes, were spicy, but they were tasty. Yeah, they were ones that I could I could give you a lot of the hot sauces and you'd be totally fine. Yes, a Cholula isn't too too hot for most people, but it's, it's tasty or a Tapatio. And I mean, like that's that's more my my game. And I got some really clever ones too. I got a soy based hot sauce, which is out of control. Uh, a honey habanero sauce, a mustard based one. So okay. yeah, lots of good stuff. It was fun. Okay, I, I think I, I ran into someone local at a local um, uh, supermarket that was like selling. It was it was, it was one of those things like local. It was like local sellers of food products that were always like a setup yeah. day over here. And someone was selling hot sauce, and I and I talked to her about it for like five minutes. There's a lot of local yeah. uh, hot sauces in in Southern California. We there were people there from like New Zealand and Texas, and a few people you from, came from New Zealand. Coast. Yeah, um, really? Yeah, there was a New Zealand hot sauce company that was there. Wow, I think that about that investment. I mean, are they selling? Trying to get like, they're like wholesalers there, like trying to try. Well, from what I understand, I mean, looking around, a lot of the like vendors were like, "Oh, and if you need us to ship back your hot sauce, we can do that for you." And John and I are like, "We live in San Diego, so I feel like, I I feel like it was even for a first year event, it was run by a, a a a big hot sauce." name inferno farms which happens to be in san diego inferno. okay so they so are, i feel like it was a big enough event i feel like it actually did get some uh, people to travel I, for I think it. i found ian's calling you'll start organizing these food events yeah <laughs> start putting them on there um speaking of conventions real quick i got too many games uh they are uh relaunching uh retroware so the name retroware the base of the brand and the website was all sold to uh, to screenwave media uh at this point two or three years ago and so they are now going to be basically an imprint like company. They're going to be like a publishing na- uh, name, and they'll be like a, a like a corporation name f- uh, for renting arcade machines for events, and they'll have merch and things like that, and drops for creators. And it's good to see the name live on 
in a way. I think so. Um, I think this really makes a lot of makes sense. sense. This makes more sense, I think, than what they were trying to do with it. I mean, it's got where right in the name. It's perfect. Yes. Published games under that name. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it's and, and they sell the T-shirts are nice. I'll try to pick up Ian a T-shirt if he's nice. I mean, he doesn't yell at me about a Pixar movie. Um, I'm just saying these uh, things are not as adult as you think. You, you they got are. you got heated. I, you, I touched some weird place with you with that when we talked about that in the exclusive podcast. You can check and see. You can see me and Ian go at each other at patreon.com slash studio podcast. Um, real quick, uh, a nice little story of of uh, for, from Force of Illusion, Fairyland story. Um. Kind, it's kind of like the uh, the beginning of Taito's uh, like single screen arcade games. Yeah, like like the pre, pre precursor, like the bubble bobble to stuff check and pop and yeah. bubble pop uh, bubble bobble and all that. So through Gaming Alexandria, this is a Forest of Illusion Hard for Games. Uh, I, I love Tony at Hard for Games. Uh, they're they're revealing a never before seen unreleased port of the Fairyland story for the Famicom. It was in arcades in '85. It's predecessor to Taito's, Taito's other cutesy platform games like Bubble Bobble and New Zealand Story. I love New Zealand Story. New Zealand Story is. is great. It's, like, it's cute. Uh, then they did, they did a Famicom port with Taito's approval, uh, and then it made a brief appearance in a magazine and it was canceled. So, someone, uh, got, uh, so this is actually like, interesting how yeah. they found it. It turned up in a lot of actual Famicom games with a label on it. Uh, and the guy, you know, someone noticed it, so they ordered the lot of games, and it took them a while to get it dumped, and they finally did. So this is like a true, just like finding a diamond in a rock. I mean, person saw it and took a chance. Oh, what is that? It could yeah. be this. Could and, be something. and it was. So that's really cool. Uh, dated April 25th, 86, and appears to be a debug build. It's always interesting how these come out. It's like someone just takes it home from Taito and then like, gives it to their kid, maybe, or someone, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't care. Right. And then, it, you know, 35 years later, 36 years later, here it is. Yeah, it's just a cute little single player game. We went from um, you can you can check out uh, hard for games. There's some gameplay on here. Um, yeah, Tony might be writing for a certain N64 guidebook from Hard for Games there. So anyway, they, and the, and the, and then the ROMs online as well. So there you go. Uh, then there's more preservation news. It's a golden age of preservation in the past. I'd say two years. This it has been great. Going back to that that UWC wrestling game, Rom. Remember that? I sort of like kicked off everything around that time things sort of like i think i think that's when everything was ballooning sure yeah yeah uh a new version of the uh, super nintendo campus challenge rom um was was released by one of the owners one of the few owners of of the existing uh campus challenge like board roms you've ever seen that they're boards Mm -hmm. uh there so this was on reddit reddit I'm not on the I'm not on the Reddit. I'm not good with the Reddit. I posted twice on Reddit ever. I, I, I think that's as many times as I've posted on the same forum. <laughs> on the same forum. I mean, television underscore Nico forum. So I don't uh, not post there because I'm too good for it. I just don't just, need I'm, I'm another. Gonna, yeah. I don't need another thing to get myself I, into. I, I, I waste enough time on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this, this person said, "Hello, all. I'm the owner of one of three uh, Canvas Challenge '92 original carts. I'm providing this dump as I was made aware this particular ROM is." MIA missing an action, and I would love to see people get excited about high scoring on the same way on this the same way a community has been built about scoring on the 1990 NWC. The reproduction cartridges have been long out of production, the retro USB ones I believe referring to. Mm-hmm. So figured I would give you all a means to play this. I'm providing three mirrors, but in the case that they go down, you can reach me. Blah blah blah. And there's documentation. So this is pretty cool. Um, so I guess the ROM that exists isn't. Exactly uh, the same thing that existed originally, or it was like a hack. I'm not. I'm not super familiar with it. I can't I, remember. I I, it. My I, understanding was it. There was some sort of hack 
involved in it, but I, I can't to get it to work. Yeah, I better. don't. I don't know. Um, so so maybe this is more authentic. I mean, I played it for the Super Nintendo bug. I went through sure. it, obviously, and, I, and some events have had, like I said, the, the repro one. So um, yeah, it's just good to see this stuff happen like this. So now we, I guess we got you know all three officially there. We got the ninety, the one no one talks about the uh, the uh, the ninety one uh, uh, fucking campus challenge one. You know what people do talk about, though? What do they talk about, Ian? UltimateNintendo.com. Why do they talk about it, Ian? Because uh, you can go there, uh, books, pins, etc., labels. Okay. Good times. Uh, cameo. Uh, also Twitch on Wednesday nights. That was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no Twitch this Wednesday, because I'll be in Pennsylvania, um, and I, I'll, I'm going to Seaside Heights on, on Wednesday. Woo! So I might do a hangout. Excited to see what that looks like in pictures. Seaside Heights? Well, these days, yeah. I mean, it's largely the same except for the fire that happened at seaside uh, park and then the casino pier doesn't have all the rise going out to the edge like it used oh what to. i mean is just like if they like add stuff or if they are they ever uh, going to do anything with the burned down spot that's yeah right. oh yeah oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah that's it's, what it's i'm restaurants saying. now it's, it's oh okay it, like that's uh, a year after uh superstorm sandy a seaside park which is the southern side of it which survived sandy because sandy hit more seaside heights um a year later, an electrical fire that started at Coors Ice Cream, the awesome custard ice cream I always talk about. It's been there forever. Yeah. Electrical fire ruined like two blocks of the boardwalk and disintegrated and vaporized probably the best arcade left in Jersey with all the old games. It's on video. I, I've done uh, two videos. On I the think that's the app. one that you always uh, mentioned had the Hercules machine. Yes. Yeah. They had about 20 to 25 pinball machines. They had about 50 to 60 classic machines. Like track and field, you know, asteroids, all the old stuff. They had the, they had the two player Sega boxing game you never see with the arms from like the early nineties. Remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. That used to be at the laser tag place we used to go at. Yeah, they had that. Yeah. They had the um, the uh, what the hell was the one that came out in Saturn? They had the sit down two player version, the battle virtual on. Yes, they had that. They had some cool shit there. Love that 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 they, that machine is awesome. They had a Mario versus and all gone because of the fire, and not just that. Carousel that was old, not as old as the Seaside one. The Seaside one has been preserved. They made an agreement to like they wanted to sell it for parts, and the town said, "This is this is only in Jersey. This corruption and pay for play. Don't destroy it. We'll give you free land if you let us preserve it." Like that's literally what they said. Like they that bribed them not to to chop up this fucking at this point ninety year old, hundred year old carousel that's gorgeous. There. Again, go watch my Pat Goes to the Jersey Shore video from like two thousand. I think I actually had Rod I'm riding that. on that carousel. Uh, but anyway, so so th- so another carousel was destroyed at Seaside Park. But more importantly, and the arcade machines, they had there must be only three of these that still exist in the fucking world or four. Uh the one of the old light gun games probably from like the fifties or sixties. Where there's like, you know, there's like 12 to 15 lined up. You pay yeah. it 50 cents a dollar. You get like 15 shots. And it's a light sensor, little targets, and they're all animatronic. Like, the guy plays the piano. There's, there's one at Owl. Disneyland. There's one at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Is it that old? Or is it from the 60s? It's pretty freaking old. So yeah. the point is, that's gone. That was gone. There, there's probably still one down in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is like one of the more southern ones that people from Philly go to. Yeah, I love uh, those. I have to. I have so, to. Anytime I see those, I got to do it. So when I went back in 2019 to visit for the first time, I literally teared up because where all this stuff was, just sand. There was like one one burnt fucking plush. I sort of got one burnt plush animal on the beach, you know, like, like a symbol of it gone. So now they probably have more restaurants. That part is more less sleazy now. Um, sawmill pizza still there. It was, it was like the biggest pizza pizza ever. It used to be famous. It was like free, free soda with every slice. And the slices were like gigantic. They're like the big, I mean, like the big slices. And that was always the thing we would end up on. So that survived because they had their own sprinkler system. And then the arcade next to it 
had its own sprinkler system. That survived. Ninety percent of everything else was is gone in like a block and a half radius. Uh, there, that's that's gone from that boardwalk. So, so I think it's rebuilt up by now. Three years later, mm-hmm. or, or that, that that was actually uh, six years ago. It all burnt, or seven years ago, or I think it was seventeen or sixteen. It burnt. So, like, it'll be interesting to see now what's there. Uh, and I'll go. I'll play Frog Bog. May I win you little 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 frog from Frog Bog? I just buy a, a slimy frog from Frog Bog. Hey, this is this is from a from the eighties. We get the slimy frog. You get that. So here's an interesting thing. the ring toss. The ring toss. You never win. That's there still. Just so you know, uh, you can actually still buy. There are people who still manufacture and make those light gun shooting galleries. The same one. Like with the guy on the piano? I, I mean, there's shitloads of them that you can apparently still you, buy. There's still a company that makes that. Yep. B, BMI Gaming has a whole section based on uh, these light gun things. Like the heavy rifles? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Amazon Jungle with the heavy rifles. You can get an 8-player or a 12-player version. So that's their, that's their bread. They're the only ones that probably make that in the whole fucking world. <laughs> yeah, there's no there. idea. Are you serious? What's the website? Is it BMI Gaming? BMIGaming.com. Well, it's good to know there. Uh, they're probably yeah. They're, they're, there's a history, history of video arcade games, amusements. I mean, so like some of these are much smaller, but they do still have like twelve player ones. They got the big ones. Yeah, they've I got mean, some big people ones. out there. It's they're like twenty five feet. They're long. long. Yeah, and and they they go like fifteen feet deep. There's so much stuff to shoot. There's, yep. ton, there's tons of targets. They're fun as fuck. I love them. Oh, they're great. So anyway, that's all gone. It makes me sad. There's no. There's another. There was none other on the seaside boardwalk besides that one. You still have you still have the BV one hit the star out. Sure. I almost did it one time because you got to cut a circle around it. It's and there was like one thing that I was like, I you never say one win that stuff. No, no, never. No, that's they, that's, they, that's like impossible. They give you just enough to think you have a shot, but you never have a shot. No, nope. that. that's always fun. that's still there. You get the the BB gun. You know, they they used to have the back in the early nineties. They had. You know, shoot a guy with the paintball is always a guy with a Saddam Hussein mask on. Yeah. That would walk across and someone gets shot. What a job that is. Get shot with paintballs, you know, for money. Because um, they had targets too, but everyone's just shooting Saddam Hussein, you know, back in the day. Oh, f- good times, Ian. Good times. Great taste. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be at Too Many Games June 24th and 26th in Oaks PA. Then I'll be at the Southeast Game Exchange in Greenfield, South Carolina, July 9th and 10th. You want to talk Vince McMahon, Ian? You want to you'll get, let's get into it, Ian. I really don't, but uh, yeah, Vince McMahon uh, stepped down uh, as CEO from uh, WWE, and He's Stephanie McMahon fine. is replacing him. Um, because he has, uh, the, the news has come out that he was involved in potentially an affair. Allegedly! Allegedly an affair uh, that he paid a... It was a paralegal that was hired in 20... So here it is. This is, comes from a Forbes article. A report released Wednesday from the Wall Street Journal says the 76-year-old McMahon was allegedly alo- involved in an affair with a 41-year-old paralegal he hired in 2019, who received a $3 million payout in January, barring her from discussing her relationship or disparaging McMahon. Um, $3 million payout and stepping down from your role as CEO... That seems guilty to me. That seems to well, imply the, some the, guilt. The board is investigating it because, like, yes. here's the thing. This is a public company. Yeah. This isn't a private company. They went public in 99. You can't hide this stuff off the books. If someone says, what is this $3 million payment? Like, what, what is this to this employee? That's like, that was, uh, was the original salary was $100,000 and bumped it to 200000 after beginning a sexual relationship with her, according to this CNN article. Yeah, you can't get away with this stuff and, like, brush it under the rug. This isn't the 80s. Or the early '90s when there's no oversight, you're, you know, right. you, you have a board of directors, 
it's like this different. It's a private company. You can do more of what you want, not when it's public. You have stockholders. You have people you have to answer to. You have a board of directors. Well, so, you can't do what you want, but well, I mean, <laughs> your $3 million payment might not be noticed as, that's the thing. as quickly. That's, yeah. that's the whole point. It's like, you don't right. think he was ever doing this type of shit before? Yeah, no, absolutely. He was notorious, uh, allegedly, for like using drugs and being wild in the 80s and into the 90s. Yep. I mean... He probably did a bump of coke off Hogan's dick at some point, if I had to guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, but the, so the point is, is that <laughs> come on, he uh, had to have. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so so the point is that, like, I was I'm almost shocked because uh, I thought about this over the years, like that nothing like this came out when people like, um, you know, in Hollywood, all, all these people that get outed for being awful towards women and stuff. It's like, well, this guy is awful on the surface. Yes. It's known that he's awful, like. He is the character. Like the character that he plays to be is not far off from his real personality. That's the thing. It's like they're 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 almost one to one. A lot of people would say it's like that's pretty much him. Yeah, just like the character I played in certain Pat the NES Punk videos was pretty close. Oh yes. Uh, anyways, so uh, the word was this kind of started to hit on Thursday, like right before SmackDown was gonna tape or whatever it was, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever that happens, and. The big word was that he big was word. going to come out and address the allegations in character as the no chance Mr. McMahon. And the Internet was like, I think everyone was like, we have to watch this because this is going to be a man burying himself live on national television. Mm-hmm. Like, not only is it beyond the pale and gross that he wants to do this and, and treat it as a fictional thing for his company, but like no lawyer is going to tell you that that's a good idea. You cannot go out there in the middle of the ring and start talking shit about people who it's just you can't say anything. You can't. So this was going around all day and everyone's like, we're going to watch it. And then never heard anything about it. So Pat and I checked it this morning. Uh, Someone got to him and was like, you can't do this. A lawyer or at all. Yeah. Like you can't. Or his wife. Maybe someone got to him because he came out and said, always forever uh, together and then walked away. <laughs> like, it, was just, it was embarrassing. It was really, really he came embarrassing. Out to no chance in hell. He did his little strut. You have people cheering. You have little, little. There's a couple people cheering, but a lot. There was a lot of booze. Well, too. There was a, a nine year old boy who was like going. Well, has no idea what's going uh, on. I oh, hope. Oh, boy. Don't 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 look at him. The documentary is going to come out. Um. So here's the thing about Vince McMahon. He's a, he's a gross individual, disrespects everyone, always has. Um, Looks always like has. he smells like bad ham. <laughs> and this is a – here's your guy. I talk about, <laughs> talk about like the famous thing about when Trish Stratus was still a new one. He goes, that's it. Crawl around like a dog during the Attitude Era, like early 2000s when she was there. And yes, it's a character, but it's still demeaning to do that. The Kiss My Ass Club where it's like, yeah, you're playing a character, but you're still making your – employees literally kiss right, it's not a character in front of millions of people he did that to jr he did that to uh, john laurinaitis did to a few different people and then the worst thing speaking of Stephen mcmahon was when he like ogled uh, his own daughter and it was like yeah like like complimenting his his daughter's figure in character, in large quotes, on TV. Trump Ivanka shit right there. Yes. Uh, when Trump said, I'd date my daughter if she wasn't my daughter. It's like, this is gross stuff that you're getting away with it 
as a character on TV or like leaning into it when this really shows your true personality with stuff. In my yeah. opinion, this shows who you really are. Yeah, I no. don't think that's an act. It's so fucking weird. It's you, just a thin level of defense. Acting, even doing an act in a movie where your real daughter, you're like saying, "Yeah, no, it's gross." Like, that's, yeah, I even an act, like it's that's disgusting. That's disgusting. That's a step uh, too far. Yes, at some point you got to say, "No, this isn't enough. This is enough." But Vince runs the show still to this day. He 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 vetoes everything that happens on the show. Like he still runs it at 76 years old, which is nuts. Yeah. He's still on, he's still on the coke highs from the 80s, you know, doing this stuff and it's insane. So this is catching up to him and, and there's a chance he'll just be, you know, he still has all the stock and everything but he might not be in power going forward if this finally sticks this stuff. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I got 15 20 years too late. But you know it is. Well, yeah, everyone's been waiting for. I mean, that's, that's, that's tri- not harsh, but everyone's been waiting for him to die so they can see what direction well, no, the company is going to go. He was a transfer to to his son in law forever, and he he's now out of it. He was right. pushed out. He got, he's no, he had his little heart. He had his heart issue. He's not going to be in the ring more. But he was being groomed to take over the company. Yes, which would have been a hell of a step up from how he ran NXT. Or he ran it well. Now NXT is a mess. Supposedly, supposedly NXT uh, is a nightmare because he was pushed out, and everyone and now it's now another WWE Raw product, basically. So the point is that like that's not happening. That's that's past. Right. He, uh, Triple H, whatever. John Levesque, John Paul Levesque said, "I'm fuck this. I'm just going to enjoy my semi retirement and not put up with this anymore." So even that's done. John this Paul is why we don't, this is why we don't cover, we don't cover wrestling anymore because it's gross. Because it'd be like it would be like if we had to cover the Marvel movies, but all this awful shit was happening behind the scenes and like changing shit and doing like we talked about before. It'd be like trying to like. Like uh, try to follow the Avengers movies, then all of a sudden they try, in the middle of it they decide, oh, well, Captain America turned heel and, and sided with Thanos. It doesn't make any sense, but it, like happens, you have to deal right. with it and follow it. And just like, fucking deal with it. Like, yeah, it's just like that's good that's, shit. That's like that's what watching wrestling is. <laughs> good shit. You know these idiots are fucking things up. And you have to try to follow along with it. Yeah, and you can't do it. Just fucking. You know, Captain America just starts hitting on like Scarlet Witch in the movie. Like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> to my character. I love this character, and you've ruined it. <laughs> You know. <sighs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Speaking of characters we love, uh, it's time to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, I, I have been looking forward to this game. Uh, pretty much with a singular focus since it was announced. I can't think of any game in recent memory that I have been so excited to ah. get my hands on and play. Well, um, let me out, Leo. I love beat em ups. Um, and uh, I love the Ninja Turtles. Uh, people seem to think of me as like a big Ninja Turtles fan, and I am, but a lot of my fandom for the Ninja Turtles doesn't come from the 80s cartoon. Not that I have any huge problem with it, I just never watched a lot of it. Uh, my fandom oh, comes from the comics, um, the movies, the first two movies in I've, particular. I've only seen the first movie. Really? You never saw Secret of the Ooze? No, I, I, I didn't like it. I don't like the fact that they weren't doing Bebop and Rocksteady still. That's not turn me off. a great movie. I mean, it's not as good great. as the first one, but it's a good movie. Okay. Um, 
so I like those movies. Uh, I liked the Nickelodeon version of the cartoon. I, I've enjoyed the comics. I, the comics have really had like good runs uh, throughout the ages. So I was very excited to to play this. Uh, it's by Tribute Games. Uh, I love. I love so much of what Tribute has done. Uh, Panzer Paladin, uh, going back to Curses and Chaos, which is a one-screen game that's really addictive. Uh, and they also did uh, the uh, well-received and, and very fun Scott Pilgrim vs. the World beat em up Okay. Um, .mu is the publisher for this game. .mu uh, published Streets of Rage 4. Uh, publishers are not developers. People, uh, people confuse this a lot. I've they're seen the, a lot. They're the money in marketing. They're the so. money in marketing, and I'm sure they also um, have a hand in it, and I trust their hand in it, yes. you know, in terms of what they're going to say. But I have seen a lot of things where people are like, oh, it's by the same people who did Streets of Rage 4, and it's not. And I, I really wish people would get developers and publishers separate. Either way, I was very excited for this team to bring it out. Um, game comes out. Uh, I'm going to be honest right now. We got review codes. However, uh, the version I'm reviewing, I paid for. I, I was, I was very, you don't wait. I was really impatient because I, I, like I said, I really <laughs> wanted to play the game. So I bought it on my Switch the night before it came out and preloaded it. So when I woke up the next morning, I could grab it and start playing. Uh, and my review it wasn't code, a big download, Ian. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, and my review code, uh, thank you, Tribute, I gave that to Vani so she could play. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna say some things that are gonna sound negative here. I need everyone to understand that I'm not trying well, to be a jerk. Overall, let's do overall first impression. I'm gonna then. do overall. I, I, I'm just gonna say, my overall impression of this game is very positive. My problems with the game, and I, I, I do think they are problems, are totally fixable by patches. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to be a negative hard ass here. No. I love beat em ups. I love the people who have put it out. I'm not just going to give the game a free pass. And I feel like there's yes. been some free passes in the media on this game. You think some so? of the problems. Well, let's, let's go to the, uh, the, the just for some of the part. problems that I feel like they, oh, they, they didn't address them or didn't think they were a big deal. I don't think they addressed them or maybe didn't play long enough to see where they would become a big deal. Oh, really? You think they played long no, enough? What I mean is online. I'm sorry. Okay. Because online, if we're going to get there. I'll, I'll okay. Get there. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There wasn't a big enough okay. group of people to show the problem. I think there's an issue. There might be an issue here with it, sort of maybe not a historical gatekeeping thing, but we've been playing beat em ups since the inception of beat em ups. You know, sure. we've been around since you know, Double Dragon. We've, I was playing in Final Fight. I played tons of them in the arcades. Maybe and I might, play. I play every one of these modern there, ones. There might be. There might be a disconnect between how we approach it versus someone maybe getting into the genre. Right. No, past. exactly. And that's I'm going to cover there, that. There has been a revival of beating up the past. I'm, I'm absolutely going to cover that. Yeah. So, uh, general general re, uh, thought on it: very positive. Um, the graphics are excellent. insane. Excellent. The attention to detail and the obvious love put into the graphics in this game. Out of this world. Um, everything looks great, and there's so many different styles. You get the cute little icons for all the characters at the top. Yes. The map screen looks great. You get the little chibi versions of, like, um, Irma and Vernon. Yes. You get the uh, cute little versions of, like, the turtle van and the, the, the blimp. That's for, this, that's for the single uh, the single story. The, si or, the story mode. More than single. The story mode. Yeah. Story mode. It's also multi. Um, soundtrack. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Really captures the spirit of it. Um, sounds great. Fits fits perfectly with it. Uh, and then we'll get into gameplay. So each turtle, there's there's seven characters. There's the four turtles, one unlockable, six regular. Yeah, four turtles, Shredder, or four turtles, Splinter, April, April. and then uh, Casey. Casey's unlockable when you beat the single uh, story mode or story mode. Um, 
Casey's also overpowered. <laughs> every character, well, we'll get into that. Every, yeah. every, there's, there's uh, three attributes for each character. There's range, range of attack, speed, and strength. And strength. Um, H1 has six points that are assigned, except for Casey, who has seven. Yeah. Which means that, like, for example, Leo is uh, the most balanced. Leo two, and two and two. But Leo, specifically, Leo and, um, Leo and Donnie are kind of rendered pointless by Casey. In terms of like, cause if you look at them, so, so Casey's got one extra point. If you look at for them, power. yeah, Casey's got one extra point for power in that instance and has one extra point for speed, I think, in Donnie's instance. So gotcha. basically, it's got their stats, but beefed up. Well, they're not pointless, but they play differently. They, they so play like, differently. But uh, I'm just saying in terms I of like, I did power. not like Casey as much as I thought I was hoping to play him. I thought it was, I liked all the characters. I had problems with Leo, but Leo was also the first one I was playing with. I did not like uh, the double jump spin attack that they did with Leo. I think it was an overpowered attack because none of the other characters have that. So let's uh, we'll get into that. So yeah. the characters, the move sets available for the characters are great. And when you first play the first couple levels, especially like I played on okay, there's chill okay. Yeah, I, play, I always play in the middle. Yeah, when I do my reviews of stuff. I play so um, the moves don't all necessarily. Their usefulness isn't obvious immediately on. Sure. It can feel like there's a lot going on, maybe two moves. You've got a rising attack. You've got two rushing moves. You've got a low slide and uh, like a shoulder charge. Two jumping attacks. You've got the standard jump kick. And then you've got your uh, double jump attack. And then you have... Double jump uh, weapon attack, yeah. And then you have the, uh, what I think is kind of the meat of the game and what I really like, you have the, um, you have a backflip. It's really more of a dodge. It's a flip that you can do in either direction. Sure. And after you land it, you can hit the attack button and you'll kind of zoom back to the closest enemy. It's a, it's a zoom zoom kick usually? Yeah. yeah, like an air kick or something like that. And that can be used for combos. Um, the, it's and in the first few levels when you're just playing, you know, against like uh, basic Foot Clan members and stuff like that, there's not really a whole lot of need to do much besides the standard combos. Mm -hmm. But as you get further, they do a really good job of introducing new enemies that have you look at your move set in a different way. So, for instance, you get uh, Foot Clan with spears. You use your slide to get under the spears. Um, you can use your dodges to get beyond. You can use your backflips to dodge through uh, plungers that they shoot out of guns. Okay. There are the flying uh, foot soldiers that you use the rising attack for. It was just B and A at the same time. B and A at the or, same or time. Attack and jump at the same time. It does a, a, a kick up, and then if you hit it again, you do an angle down. Uh, yeah, if you, it'll kick up, and then if you hit the button again, you'll do your jump kick. It'll just turn into yes. your jump kick. Um, so when you start getting all of this on the screen together, it becomes fun. It starts to me to feel like that 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 thing I really love in beat 'em ups, where you kind of get in the zone and you're flowing all over the screen, and you start to learn how the characters move and how, what their weapons are going to do. And it's fun to kind of approach each encounter as like a little puzzle. You know, sure. how am I going to get through this? Um, the boss fights are all the sprites for the bosses are great. Um, if you are new to beat 'em ups. This is a really good beat em up to play because the bosses, at least on okay and on chill, they've got to be pushovers. There are only a few bosses I had any real trouble with, and I still beat all of them without needing, you know, to retry or continue. Yes, you get, you get three standard lives, and then if you lose them, you have to restart the level. And if I, you keep playing through story mode, you'll get up to five lives. So on th I was never in danger of, of restarting a level. 
except when I was starting from scratch. I think I try to I try to because you can replay all the levels in story mode, which is great. So when I got Casey, I was basically starting with a character with a smaller. You can build up, you know, you, you build up your meter length and your yeah. specials against you. So when I, the only time I ever ran out of lives when I did one of the two last levels with the hardest ones with Casey, then I lost my lives. Otherwise, I only usually lost only up to one life uh, when I got to a boss, and that was only happened like once or twice where I did that. As and even in single player, the 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 I was not only disappointed. Maybe it's not my generation. I thought it was very easy. Uh, most of the bosses and most parts of the game. There uh, was a couple difficulty spikes. Uh, so the only level I had to redo was uh, one of the techno drum or the middle techno drum level, the one that has the mid boss and then the end boss. Sure, and it's because I had friends over and like I'm talking as sure. I'm playing. I'm not paying attention in that I wasn't paying attention as much as I should have to the mid boss because. Uh, I thought it was the final boss, and I'm just talking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. whatever. And then I got out. Okay, so I had to restart that one. Um, haven't played on hard mode yet. I think hard mode will take care of some of those concerns and make the game a bit more challenging for me. But the bosses, I do think if you have ever played beat-em-ups and you feel like they're too cheap or you haven't quite wrapped your head around how beat-em-ups work, this is a good one to play because the bosses do have patterns that you can discern and, and work around. It, it's not... It, it, it's It's... It's easy to look at and think about how you can take on these bosses. Yeah, I don't want to be too harsh because obviously in the arcades, they're designed to take your quarters. Yes. So, like, you can beat, like, for example, some of those bosses in the arcade if you're super careful without losing a quarter or lives. But they're, they're a lot more difficult. Here, th- this is more of a traditional recognize the pattern, get a few hits in, get out of the way till you dodge and do it again. Right. And I, I just thought it was a little too much hand-holding. And I expected a little bit more of a challenge on some of the bosses. And I was sort of disappointed in that. Well, um, I expected not to f- basically, I would have loved to have taken at least one try to figure out some of the bosses and coming back. They were not challenging at all in that regard. If I could figure them out while still having all my lives and then defeating them by myself, I was like, eh, I think that they got to adjust this a little bit. Um, like Sh- uh, Shredder was incredibly easy. And I was shocked because in the, arca- the first arcade game, it was hard as hell uh, to beat. Um, and, and even Krang uh, was easy. Uh, Again, even Super Shredder, I thought was fairly easy. But I did play that, I think, with one or two other people once I got to that point. Oh, see, I think. I, OK, um, so I don't want to give I'm not going to give away the two final bosses necessarily. But the two final bosses, uh, I think, are probably uh, two of the easiest bosses in the game because they're they're big set pieces and they're great looking. But the patterns are very, very, very easy in those bosses yeah uh the, the last boss which i won't give it away yeah you can spam a lot for that boss it's not even spam it's just it's just it's just, it's yeah, just it's, dodge dodge yeah hit, that's, that's dodge dodge hit dodge, not, dodge hit i'm not saying there has to be like i'm not saying it has to be where oh you're going to take hits no matter what but i would have uh, honestly have leaned towards that versus wow i could honestly like rat king I think the only damage I got in Rat King was when one of the rats grabbed me the first time I realized. Rat King's it. annoying, but not hard because he jumps way too quick when he gets to the end. There, he's like down for two seconds. Well, he just got to dodge up. the rats. That comes well, through. I know. I'm, I'm just saying he only gives you a, w- a short window to attack him, so he takes longer than he should. That's that's all I'm saying about it. Yeah, There's, it's the same sort of you know dodging while the bosses are uh, have invulnerability, then they become vulnerable for a few seconds. Re, you know, re, rather rinse repeat. That's basically how the bosses uh, work for most of them. And I would have preferred something different. I'm not saying what I've not played a lot of the more modern ones like Ian has, but I'm more used to my arcade style of bosses where these are going to take some work. 
Uh, they may, it, you know, this is going to take some time to really like you have to be a little more per- perfect on what you do versus here. Like e- even like uh, you know the early the first arcade game, Bebop and Rocksteady are not pushovers when you play them. You have to learn how to how to get your hits and then dodge. No, they're chumps oh. in this. <laughs> Yeah, they're, even, they're even, even fighting them at the same, same time, time. They're chumps. They're, they're not difficult. So that was my only thing So uh, with that. Um, what was I going to say? Shit. Learning curve? Uh, I mean, so so it's it's, it's easy. It's, it's, it's not a very hard game. No. Um, my first two playthroughs, single player. Well, my first playthrough, I enjoyed it, but I are, this is where I... So this is where the nitpicks come in. One of them I don't think is a nitpick. Um... Even when I started playing the game, and I kind of realized it was a little easy, I started to see areas where I thought maybe the game could be broken pretty okay. easily. When I play a beat-em-up, I'm playing it for the challenge. It's like when I play shooters. When I play RPGs or a lot of other action games or AAA games, I'm not playing them for the challenge. So I don't. I put them on sure. easy mode. But with these, the whole point, if you're not playing these for a challenge, you're going to burn out on them really quick because sure. it's just doing the same thing over and over again. So I started looking for places where the game might have holes. And the first one I thought was the fling toss, the screen toss, where you grab them, you press down and attack, and you fling them at the screen. Yeah, the turtles in time toss towards the screen. You can grab, in early on, most of the foot, you can grab pretty easily, and you can just, it's it's a one-hit kill, essentially. Sure. There, you, there's no reason to combo into them. You just start picking these assholes up and pitching them to the screen like saxitators. Is it, isn't also the, the back and forth a one-hit kill for most of the characters? Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay, for, okay. So... And again, balancing wise, they do handle that. Uh, eventually, you get out to where uh, these these uh, the Foot Clan are attacking a lot quicker. It's harder to get in and grab them. Sure. So if you do grab them and you get that fling toss, good for you. Um, and you do get to a lot of the later Foot that just refuse to be tossed. So sure. okay, or not, the, rock, the Rock Soldiers you can't grab. Yeah. Right. So not a problem. Yeah. Whatever fixes that. Just you know, the first couple levels you can cheese that. Uh, where the game starts to fall apart for me though is the supers and i don't think out of base level the supers in the game again if i'm playing this on a hard mode if they patch it with an, a harder difficulty i have no problem with supers and beat em ups they're in tons i know you have it you said that the original turtles didn't have one and you you wish that this one didn't um and i understand that however i don't think the supers are the problem the problem is in how you charge the supers so every character uh, if you were just, I'll stop talking about story mode now. We're talking about arcade mode, the arcade right. game version of it. When you play, um, you have three bars that you can fill, or one bar that you can fill three times. Okay. Okay. Uh, with one charge, you can do a super, a diving super, or a dashing super. These are your standard Streets of Rage final fight um, supers, especially the standard one. Honestly, I don't think it's. Well, you said final fight super. Well, you've got the special. Oh, spe- just a special. Yeah, a special, yeah. yeah. I mean, because the specials in, oh. in in TMNT don't act as specials; they act as an extension of the move set. But in Final Fight, it takes away your health. It you takes say. away your health. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, there was something in TMNT that takes away your health too. I think it's the jumping attack. On the original. Okay, maybe, I'll check. Maybe in Turtles in Time. Maybe Turtles in Time, though. Um, so. The super itself is not the problem. Uh, one way you can charge the bar is also not a problem. As you combo in the game, you'll see the your bar bumps. starts yeah. to fill. And when you get hit, if you haven't filled the bar all the way to get to that level, you lose you lose what you have. So you have to focus on the combos. You need to make use of all your moves. 
they they created this system that works, and you have to engage with it to get your combo to fill. Yeah, story mode, you don't have to worry about as much. You just got to get your hits in gradually and build it up. So you can get, yeah. so this works, and, uh, you know, it, it, there's, there's risk-reward in there. You yes. have to keep going on the combo to get these specials. The specials are not necessarily they're they're not hard to get but you they're not going to ruin the game in this regards here's where i have and i like i said i'm not trying to sound mean but this has been driving me nuts all weekend there is a taunt you can do in this game every character has one with the r trigger you press the r button and they do a cute little move and they it fills up one meter of your bar yeah, automatically. It's like three seconds as long as you're not hit, you get through it. It's like like Donnie, for example, sits down and plays the Game Boy for a second. Mikey uh, Boogie's sp- down. Uh, Splinter Splinter, re- re- you know, relaxes and zen's out. Like yeah, uh, Leo Leo poses with his his swords. They're all very cute animations. Yeah, they should have just stayed animations because what happens here now is there is absolutely no reason to engage with your systems. Because in between every encounter, even and this is just if you're playing it as a single player game, I haven't even gotten to multiplayer yet. If you're just playing this as a single player game, you handle your encounter, you, you tap up. the button three times, and then you go into yes. the next zone and you have either three specials or you have the radical combo, which makes your attacks way, way stronger. Yeah. And that uses all three uses bars. All three. Uses all um, three bars. So yeah, so basically in essence then you can have a 10 second delay in between because the game is unfortunate to go forward. You can, you go at your own pace. Yeah. So no, like, most, like most beat them Like up. enemies are cleared. You can just sit there, recharge, and then your next battle is easier. You know, and, and keep doing that. So you can say, well, don't do that. Well, okay. But, but it, 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 it cheeses the it, game. It cheeses the game. If it, especially I mean, multiplayer, why am I going to try to get good at it when people online or leaderboards or people who are doing these speed runs can just cheese these fucking special moves. Yes. So it's bad enough as a single player issue, but in my experience, and I know this hasn't been everyone online, I've tried to play online twice and both times it has come to this. It breaks multiplayer in half Um, because here's what happens. Not only do people recharge in between every engagement, but we get to the next encounter and I try to play the game like a fucking real person. And my the Donnie behind me is special taunt special yeah taunt, you're, well, you're, special, well, you're keeping them busy taunt, that special your teammates will be recharging while you're trying to play like a regular person and then a leo dropped in and the leo was fighting for a minute with me and then noticed what the donnie was doing and it was special special taunt taunt special special and yeah, i I, I quit both times i was like fuck this so i did i did um the cool thing about this game before i get into that issue is that in the single player, you can create a, a party and random people can come in. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. You, so you can get your own. There's, there's Whether like, you're arcade there's, or story there's, mode. There's many fetch quests in the game that really don't accomplish a lot besides beefing up your character for your for basically a mini They're RPG. Cute, well, you, get, you have to get uh, Vern's VHS tapes. You got to get uh, Irma's Secret Diaries. Irma's Secret you got to get uh, headlines for whatever his name is. Uh, for the for the, the, the editor. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, the voice acting is by and large really good. Uh, they got most of the original voice actors back for the turtles, I believe. It's then, cute, but you like when Mikey says "party down, dude." You're like, you're older. <laughs> party down, dude. <laughs> talking. This cartoon was I like 80, it. No, cartoon was late '87. It came out. Like it's cute, but I, you can. I, yes, it, it's cute to hear them return to their roles, but you can tell they've These aged. That's all I'm 60s saying. Now, yes, that's all I'm saying. Sixty uh, or something. But anyway, um, it's like when when Scrooge McDuck came back for the that last game. That guy was like ninety voicing yeah. it still. Anyway, so. That was the issue when people dropped in. You would get people that would play normally, but then someone came in as April, 
And April has one of the one of the better specials because she moves around more. Some of the specials, the pe- people don't move. Some they move a little bit. April moves around moves around a decent amount. She has a long range. So that person was just spamming her, you know, wailing the camera around, and the game became at that point just well, they're going to get all the KOs and hits, and then it breaks it the most about the bosses. Yes, because because, people will go in, they can use that radical combo, and you can slice a boss into pieces in, like, five hits. Well, well, I guess in the single player, I never saw that, because most people didn't have the three immediately of, like, one or two. But even on the bosses, your specials can work even when they're not supposed to be hit sometimes, it seems like. At least when I was playing, I was like, oh, you can use your special, you can get a hit in when normally you can't. So it, it it broke the bosses entirely. I I I thought the, the bosses were too easy before, but with three or four, I, I played time with five people, and it was good net code with five people. There wasn't any lag. With five with five players, I can't even imagine having six. The game has no challenge at all once you get up there. There's there's none at that point with all those specials going on. It's like when you used to go to uh, Magfest or anywhere where you play an X-Men arcade game, six players, and people were just constantly getting free credits and using the mutant power. Well, the game's no longer fun anymore at that point. Like there's no, like you said, there's no reason to play it. Yeah. No. So, so Ian, Ian says that, well, I like to keep the specials to build up for it. I'm of the, of the thought where uh, I guess if, if you build them up carefully and get them, I'd rather them not be in the game at all at that point. If it can break it to that extent. Uh, I'd rather not have it in the game. That's just I, my opinion. I, I um, think, I think, I understand what you're saying. I really don't think if you just limit it to the comboing, they're going to break the game because you literally have to combo all the I, way up to a full bar. I'll, when you're on bosses, you're not going to do that. But you can still storm for uh, while you go, though, for the whole level, not use them. So you get to a boss. Say you have four characters and that's two each. Eight sure. specials? You're going to tear through a boss with eight well, specials. Well, I mean, that, that that comes down to the difficulty of the game, not the specials being broken. But, but, but the point specials is Specials are in plenty of games and they're not broken. I would give you, like, one special then. One. You get to, to one. That to me, at least, we have some balance yeah. to it. So, anyways. Uh, that's the, not my other problem, though. The, the, I'm going to go back to the upkick. Real quick. I had problems with the upkick. So the, the problem that I had with the upkick was this. This game does not have the standard jump in place and slash attack like the original Ninja Turtles does, where you can, you know, you, you easily jump, you do a slash, you get something right above you or right next to you. You hit, you hit attack and jump at the same time. You basically kick your attack up um, mul- multiple times. In some cases, like April kicks multiple times up. And that's usually for, you can combo into it. But it's also for aerial targets. There's uh, three different uh, vehicle moving stages. at three or four is three. Okay. And so you have to use that attack mostly to get your hits in because the jump, uh, re- the regular jump attack is, is an angled forward attack. So on its surface, there's no standard jumping attack besides a special up attack. I was spamming the hell out of it and almost never getting hit when I was playing by myself when there was eight to ten enemies on the screen. I would just uh, spam it, hit, and then anyone might hit another one coming down. What I saw is like this move is way overpowered, way overpowered. Uh, for a game like this, I felt never in danger uh, on those stages because of that. I, I, and in the original ones, you would get rocked sometimes by them firing at you. You'd have to like gather yourself and work in and out. Not this. Keep spamming the double uh, button attack, and you're going to be able to get through it. And, I, and that was my issue with that. I, I'm less bothered by it because you're replacing the jump attack with a different jump attack. And I did, but it's I, a much more powerful jump attack. That's the point because you're hitting up and to the side. The original one, you're just hitting in front of you. You see what I'm saying? Which is a lot easier to aim. And I remember cruising through a lot of those levels just like that too. I, 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 I was, we can agree to disagree I here. I really don't. I spamming it. I don't. It's also way quicker than that attack. It's up, down, up, down. It's like really quick. They got it. They they, they should have really taken a step back on that. 
power and had it either slowed it or made it less. I felt invulnerable while I was doing it. I felt like I couldn't get hit while I was doing it. As I said, that's a small thing we can agree to disagree on. Um, so at the end of this all, I mean, my final statement is really this. It's a extremely well-made, oh, sure. lovingly made game. 16 levels, about 10 minutes each. So that's a, that's a two and a half hour. Kicks the shit out of the up. length of most beat-em-ups yeah. you're ever going to play. Um, it's The music is great. The controls feel snappy and smooth. Oh, the controls are, are brilliant. No, the con- I, they they yeah. just they feel amazing. They have created a really well-rounded move set, in my opinion, for all these characters to handle the challenges they throw at you. And I really have no interest in going back to it if the special situation, if the taunt is well, not handled. Because it, it, it's not it's not fun online. No. And knowing that people who are playing single player there's and no going challenge. for one hit run, you know, no hit runs. There's, there's, or no, one challenge. Pa- there's no challenge. And I, I really did not want to. I, no, I'm not. I'm not going to compare it to other games. I just I really I want I want the reason to interact with the systems. They you you this game. They created a beautiful game with all of these systems that work. And there is one button that fucking breaks everything. Oh, yeah. In the I game. tried to me when he said that I, I, I did it. I was like, wow, I just taunted twice and I got two specials for each screen. And I'm just like, I'm, that, then most of the enemies will be a breeze. And then this is what I meant when yeah. I said I felt like it was getting a pass. And I, 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 I'm not saying people phoned in their uh, reviews and didn't play it long enough. When you're playing online and it's in pre release, and granted, I was playing online after release. When you're sure. playing online with pre release and people are excited and they're playing, it's one of those things where, like, everyone's going to notice it eventually, but maybe you didn't when you're all excited to get there. So I don't mean they didn't play enough of the game, but they weren't in a situation with thousands and thousands of people playing where they could see how easily this could break it. Maybe it never crossed their mind. Or, or maybe they just they, they don't mind it's that easy, but for me, a beat-em-up has to be somewhat challenging, because that's the whole point, the well, give and take of it. Like I said, easy I get, but breaking the game to the point where you don't have to interact with any of the other systems or moves, that... That's a huge glare. Or just thing. a lot less, obviously. Yeah. Especially, like I said, yeah, multiplayer is absolutely broken when it comes to that. So uh, maybe with two players, it's still, but like once, you know, I had four and five players on the screen at the time. I, first of all, I couldn't even keep track of who it was. It was too easy with two players. Yeah. Three players, I, like I, if four players, I think would be fine. Six players is going to be hectic, but it, it, the more players you have, the easier it is to abuse the taunt and yes. specials. Six players becomes, again, it becomes like playing X Men arcade game with free credits, and you're just constantly putting credits to get mutant powers and spamming them. That's basically what it becomes. Yeah. Except at that point, you're just taunting while the other people are doing it, because the taunts are about th- like three seconds. Uh, someone actually t- three seconds. T- timed them. They're anywhere between... Uh, Casey, I think, is 3.01 seconds, and everyone else is between like 2.1 and 2.69 or something like so that. So they try to balance out for versus the power versus that. Yes. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that every character does play a little bit differently. Um, at first, I, was, well, I didn't think I was going to like that or not, but they, they do play differently. At first, uh, I didn't think they played differently enough, but like you didn't like. So like Leo's got that overpowered double jump attack, yeah, I hated it. but April's rising attack is way more powerful, too. So they all it's, have yeah. different ranges. All their moves are slightly different. They all they 
they affect enemies slightly differently, and everyone's got, like, one normal move that tends to be stronger than everyone else's version I, of that normal move. I liked Raph the most, because I love Raph as a character. I like Raph the most. I thought, I once I went from Leo to Raph, I'm like, okay, I'm liking this a bit better. It's more my style. And Donnie's like Donnie. a lot of fun, because like his Donnie. reach genuinely Feels changes how you can affect, yeah. uh, approach some of the enemies. Like, I didn't mention the shield enemies. Yeah. Like, you could, that's what the charge-up attack sure. is for, the enemies who are blocking the swords. Um, but, like, uh, I can't remember what it was, but like Leo's ability or Donnie's ability to like poke the, and the get jam. in there really does like change it does things. Change it. Yeah, yeah I, did, I like using Donnie. I like using Mike. I basically like using everyone except uh, I couldn't get a hang of uh, April and uh, Casey. I was disappointed by Splinter. I thought was okay. Didn't, didn't do a lot with Splinter. Yeah, basically Leo. I didn't like that much. Uh, that was the one I was. That was the first one I started with. Uh, sorry, Leo. I thought I thought that double attack was too overpowered uh, for the game because it basically wipes out everyone and you and you can't get hit. It's too. weak on enemies that have multiple hits though. Yeah, like it, for foot, it's it's it, but it everyone else has out. a regular slashing slow attack, and for him, they, they I guess because he's a leader, maybe maybe that's why they, they beefed him up. All right. for that. Turtle power, Moving yay! On. All our time is valuable, so it's very important to find a more efficient way of doing things. If you're running a small business, every second counts. You can't afford to waste a single moment. So why are you still taking the time out of your day to go to the post office when you could be using stamps.com instead? Stamps.com makes mailing and shipping quick, easy, and cost-effective. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. I've been using Stamps.com now for about 10 years. I've I've shipped out T-shirts, pins, Blu-rays, DVDs, you name it. It's very, very quick and easy. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer. And you get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. All you need is your regular computer and printer. There's no special supplies or equipment. You're up and running in minutes, printing official posters for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Plus, Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify and Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. So whether you're an office sending invoices, an Etsy shop sending your products, or a warehouse shipping on orders, Stamps.com is your mailing and shipping solution. Stop wasting time and start saving money when you use Stamps.com to mail and ship. Sign up with the promo code CUPODCAST for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CUPODCAST. Uh, Ian? Yeah? Uh, we like talking about what's hot in the collector scene. I mostly mean... mostly with video games. <laughs> sure. And, and usually we've, we've been... We've been uh, uh, talking about our bread and butter the past couple years, besides failed consoles run by narcissists, is uh, graded video games is always on that list. And, sure and is. All the weird shenanigans going on there. So, uh, um, new thing that's really kind of gotten more popular. The past year or so. Uh, CGC is about to get into it. There's a couple of reasons why we're bringing this up now. CGC is about to get into grading VHS tapes. Heritage Auctions is now... Um, auctioning off they just had their first these, these, these graded vhs tapes and we saw the first kind of head scratcher that i've seen kind of misrepresented in the news like a lot of the video game ones were so really we're, we're seeing all the beats here sure. of um of uh slab collecting uh a copy of back to the future auctioned for seventy five thousand dollars and what i noticed immediately was that uh the reason i mean there's no good reason for a copy of uh, Back to the Future on VHS to go for $75,000. There's no good reason ever. Ever. 
But this one was owned by the actor who played Tom uh, Wilson. Tom Wilson, who, who played, played Biff Tannen. This is key because this makes it a collectible of a different sort. Mm-hmm. This is not just a sealed VHS tape anymore. This is a sealed VHS tape that was owned by the actor. The Providence. It's, it's definitely a bit more of a piece of memorabilia. However, VHS collectors are hot to push this out there without mentioning that this was oh, an actor-owned copy. They're keeping that out? I didn't well, see that. It, it, it's buried in, like, I mean, well, it's not they buried, buried in this, but, but it's not in the headlines of a lot of these. And, like, a lot of the people who were uh, sending me this article over the weekend were like, this is crazy. I don't think any of them knew that this was, like, Tom Wilson's copy. Okay. Or, it, at the very least, the people who stand to make money off of this shit are doing a decent job ne- making that not the thing that's in the headlines. So this is, so this is what's happened in the past year. This is what's happened. I've noticed it. I wish I had the video in front of me. There, there's been some, uh, and, and, and Sean from Reserves Investments did a video on it. We love Sean. Go check out his video on this. I probably disagree on a couple fronts with him, but overall, his sentiment is good. Um, this is a new market that hasn't been tapped into the same way that for by and large, the, the, the sealed games were tapped into, even though sealed games existed. This really hasn't been a thing really at all in terms of like grading these and getting these out there that we knew about. I never heard about people slabbing VHS tapes until the past year. I knew, I knew collecting VHS tapes uh, yes. for fun was a thing yeah. that's been around yeah, for a James while. Has, James has basically in his basement, he has a basically a video store. When I, we were at I, SoCal, I saw a yeah. couple booths selling some old yeah. VHS tapes. But the slabbing and searching for sealed ones, ones. is a new phenomenon. With yes. games, it's been around since the late 2000s, early 2010s. This was a new phenomenon. I remember seeing a video, Ian, I should have bookmarked at the time. It was a graded game collector that was showing off his like early 80s um, VHSs and pointing, this is the point I'm going to get to, noting the differences in the first editions, educating us. Look at this line on this, on this like Nightmare on Elm Street. This means it was the first release. Look out for these things here, these stickers and these marks here. So this was the same playbook that WADA, this is why it was unethical from the start, WADA themselves, who were just grading st- stuff, put out an educational article telling people about, well, these are the differences in the early black box games. This is what's a first print. This is a second. This is a third. Look for the different shape of the seal on the oval. Look for this and that. So they're already trying to create these differences out in large so people could then hunt for them and also then also start valuing things at different levels. Right. These are differences that most collectors didn't care about or either or knew about them and just didn't say that. But crazy collectors really have to uh, accelerate the us versus them in terms of collecting. They have to make that, hey, get on the knowledgeable side and this is what you look for. It's just curious that this collector, of course, was into the greater games already and and these people only come out with these videos after they establish their collection. Because they want it to go up. This is right. an altruistic thing, Ian. Hey, Ian, right. look, this is what you want to look for. I have this. This is shit. a person who has a billion VHS tapes, and they're like, how can I make these worth even more money? Yes. Well, we can start making them even different from each other yes. by looking for these little misprints, lines, uh, First you know, edition. A, a, a star in the background that's not on this one. You yes, know? exactly. So when I saw that, I was like, this is probably the same sort of individual that would attack us for saying there was collusion. So uh, Sean, a reserve investment, says he doesn't believe there's been collusion so far with heritage auctions and the grading houses. And there's been two grading houses so far that are doing it. Most of it's been uh, VGA, the Video uh, Gaming Authority. They agree this. And the other one's called, is it ILS is the other one? It's one I haven't heard of. It's an upstart one uh, that are also grading this. Uh, IGS. That's a, a newer one that I've seen pop up the past, I think, couple of years. So you have these two competing companies that are grading these. 
As in, I guess like anyone that owns you know, an acrylic factory can get into grading stuff without like we don't know who these people are. They just start grading. So I, that's a, besides the point. That was a problem with VGA originally. That was a problem, uh, you know, with water to a degree when they came out. So we're going to start seeing the same playbook be run by and large with these articles like this, with with the with the YouTube videos, with people saying, look out for this and that. And that's what I want to talk about. Before we get into some of the insane prices, and some are actually like, okay, this is reasonable in the hundreds, a lot of these, but there's some ones that are nuts here we'll get into uh, here. Uh, the $75,000 one, that's a special case. Right. In and of itself. And not saying whether or not. I think that's crazy, but it, I mean, I understand. From, from, a, from a Back to the Future fan perspective, I get it. Yeah. It's not just buying a VHS. It's buying the, the first edition of a thing signed and owned by one of the characters. If Michael J. Fox owned it, it would go for even more. Right. I get it. There's still going to be some, there's still gonna be some pumping to the market. We don't know that. But at least this is like something that could come for auction normally outside of this. Right. That's fine. Um, so, so there's a couple of articles that came out. And there was a video by Golden. We'll go over the Golden. Golden, uh, they're the ones partnering with CGC, I think, for the, the game stuff. I think they, they're, they're part of the, that network of Umbrella Company. A VHS expert did this video on Golden. And it isn't the worst video in the world. I, I, I went through it. It's a four-minute video by, by someone named Cole who's a VHS expert and collector. Um, the top five tips for new VHS collectors. This came out in November. So they're already trying to, to hook people. It's the only way the value of stuff rises. You have more buyers or something is so incredibly rare and scarce and important that there's only there's a few buyers, but it's always going to be pumped up. It's like, oh, there's only like, you know, 12 copies of the Declaration of Independence. It's always going to be worth money. Right. You know, but we're talking about sealed VHS tapes where VHS tapes by and large are worthless for the most part. They've been worthless. Um, going to the swap meet the past 10, 12 years, you would see either people's collections of them. It's or, like CDs. Um DVDs. I mean, I think VHS is probably maybe even worse. I mean, I'm talking about you see bins of them, including sealed ones, just sit there, 50 cents each, quarter each. No one buys them. I have a sealed blood sport, uh, and how did I get that? My buddy worked at the library and saw it in the donation bin and pulled it out and gave it to me. The same copy (laughs) I used to buy and practice moves to when I was like, you know, 13 years old, 14. Um, Probably. So I think that we got to talk about. Games versus VHS. Here, here's here's I think a slight difference. For the when people are buying the games, that was the first way they could play them, uh, by and large, discounting some of the arcades. But at least in the eighties, the arcade sure. version was different for the most part from there. VHS was a home version of something that was in theaters. It was not the first time you experienced it. Mostly for this stuff. So you're talking about a different experience. But the technology of VHS tape is fucking garbage. Um, and I think it's important for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's not the most memorable way to play something. It's not. Or to, or to watch ex- something. To experience something. It's not. For a game, yes. You pop an NES cart, you play it on your CRT. That's like classic. That's the best it was at the time for people. VHS was not the best way to watch a movie. Never was. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. It's right. not the premium experience. It's the worst experience. It was worse than fucking beta. But beta was more expensive and was never adopted. Porn, famously, the porn industry adopted VHS. Game was over. Right. That, that was basically what happened with that. So I think that's important. And not to harp on it, you can't get away with saying, like, well, this is the, this is the experience we had. No, you can't even argue that. It was garbage. 
VHS tapes would start to degrade. Even then, people oh. would complain about it. And yeah. that's why, that's why, like, when, when you know, we were younger out, and tapes were expensive, my, you know, my family and I would fucking be like, well, do we do this one on SP or, yes. you, you know, or, or do you we watch, try to cram all the cartoons on in like the extra long mode? Or you watch a dub. So, because every time you watch a tape, it degrades. Same with an audio yes. set. It will degrade a little bit each time you play it. Cause you, you, the, the, the and each film, time you dub it is more yes. importantly, you start with a, a clean recording off a of TV. Yeah. Every WD is going to get gross without even playing it. Yeah. So, so that's garbage in of itself. Once DVDs came out, the reason why people were excited, wow, this won't degrade. I don't have to rewind this shit. There's chapters. So this was not the best experience. I, I think that out of the way, unless you disagree. That's not. VHS was fucking terrible. Uh, but it was just what we had. Right. Um, so number four on this list, number five was buyer beware. It is good to watch out because there will be people, there will be people that will try to scam people in a new market. There's tons of VHSs lying around. Uh, how many sealed? I am not an expert on that. This guy in the video had literally stacks in his closet of the same sealed stuff. So there, I mean, they might be out there. I just don't know. I'm not an uh, expert at this, like more so with video games. So buyer beware. There could be someone that's going to try to sell you a first edition of a tape. There might be a second or third. And th- th- like no one is an expert at VHS tapes for the most part. There's not conventions. There hasn't been a market that's been around for 20 years. You know what I mean? There's not like a large group of people that have been doing this versus video games. Um, Number four, you snooze, you lose. This is where I take exception. Get it early, Ian. Make sure you get it while you can. Because you can't make money if there's no market. And that is one of my least um, favorite things to get in early. You want people to get in early, not because you want to help them, but because you need them to come into the market so that you have people to sell to. Yeah, this person's video has like literally like stacks of Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, VHS, Sealed, and, and Temple of Doom. Uh, buy what you like. Well, that's a good tip. That's it. Stay calm. That's a good one. And then the number one tip on here was have fun. There you go. Have fun. But, uh, you know, when it's an investment. And by the way, there's like investment grass being shown in this video. Like I, I, as a side note, I'm like, they know what they're doing. There's literally like 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 a stock investment. Oh, yeah. Grab it. They know. Sure. They know. They yeah. know why. They, why Why do you think Golden is putting out this video on their YouTube channel? Because they they tend to make a hell of a lot of money if this market explodes like this, like the sealed games does. Yep. Anyway, what was I saying? Uh, back to uh, the the article. Uh, where's that article? That that uh, is that article on here? Yes, this article comes out, Ian. Uh, the first one, the UPI one uh, from Cron Cron dot com. Did you see that? It's the second one there. Ian. Oh, yep, got it. Uh, written by Matthew Kitchen. Remember, VHS collectible uh, sales are are on the rise, highlighted by a list of iconic '80s flicks, and they talk about the VHS uh, Back to the Future for seventy five thousand um, dollars. Talk about how a digital copy will set you back $15 on iTunes. Uh, nerds can buy the Trilogy uh, Limited uh, and Steelbook for 70 bucks, but you can get the VHS for $75,000. They do say that, yes, this was not a normal one. Uh, this this was owned by the, the, the person that played uh, Biff Tannen, um, and so it's a little bit different. Uh, this is what uh, Tom Wilson said about it. This is a VHS tape of the first release of Back to the Future sent to me by the studio at the time since I knew that the VHS platform would, would, would be around forever. I said it for later, and now I can't find a VCR. Oh, well, enjoy. There you go. It's, it's a funny little note. It, <laughs> yeah. It's graded with his, with the little note. Did you read that? It was just a uh, weird thing in there. I just, uh, aside, uh, he carries business cards around that are mini FAQs to hand out to people yeah, who recognize them. He used to be very down on acknowledging his part in the Back to the Future tri- trilogy. He's come around on that. I was going to say, it seems like he has. He's come around on it. He used to do stand-up and never want to talk about that, that future stuff. So he had a little song about talking about Back to the Future stuff. And, and oh, Michael J. Fox, oh, yes, he's a nice guy. And yeah, like, that was one of the things. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Michael Jackson is really a nice guy. Yes, everyone yes. loves Michael Jackson. Fox. Fox. He's, he's a saint. Um, so anyway, so so yeah, so uh, he sold copies of two and three as well. I'm now picturing every other actor in the world seeing this. And be like, oh, I got all this shit laying around. Harrison Ford has all his dumb tapes. He doesn't care about. I Star have Wars. a feeling any well, Star Wars stuff he had, he probably got rid just of a long the dumpster. Time. You didn't care. <laughs> Lit it on fire. Um, so yeah, uh, this this article goes over uh, some of this other stuff. The IGS sealed original uh, MCA a Jaws release from I guess that'd be late seventies, early eighties. Uh, Ghostbusters eighty seven. Um, so. I, I think we're going to see more of these articles come up, unfortunately, to pump the market the same way the New York Times one did, the Kotaku one did, and a few other websites where they're not going to be like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit or talk to someone with an alternative viewpoint here. And that's what sort of hit me about this one, where where they got to be careful, at least try to be careful when it comes to this stuff. But it's going sure. to be the same playbook that's going to be run. I yeah, think. I mean, we're already seeing it. So you want to go over some of the results here? If you want. Um 2001 Space Odyssey from 85, $1,700. It's the flatback gatefold box. Ian, oh, okay. Um, 2010, 525, not nearly as good as a movie. Uh, Three Ninjas, that classic from 93, 425, 48 hours. The original one my father probably rented because he didn't care about me seeing any violent stuff when I was a kid. Uh, 875, uh, Airplane, uh, 11, 11, uh, 1200. Alien, the 1984 VHS. Nineteen hundred dollars, Akira twenty seven hundred. That's interesting because that's a, maybe a crossover thing, maybe. Yeah, for fans of the comic, right? That makes sense. Uh, Aliens a thousand dollars with the horizontal overlap white CBS. See what I mean? I get, now there's gonna be all these terms for this shit, like different right. things on the box. Uh, of course, the seventy five thousand Back to the Future, uh, a regular one uh, looks like from the same one went for only uh, three thousand. Already you have the same thing where oh, make an offer to the owner to buy it for four hundred immediately, and it's like come on. Can we can we can we pretend that some of these people at least are into this stuff? Uh, Back to Future uh, Two, uh, sign one from from the, the, the actor went for sixteen hundred and then thirteen hundred for uh, three. Uh, a, a trilogy VHS pack went for ten thousand. So for the most part, most of these are in the hundreds. Uh, big Big Chill, Big Lebowski, eight hundred dollars for the Big Lebowski VHS. Jesus, that was one of the earlier DVDs because that's about when DVDs started to get to get going there. So. The Blob, eleven hundred. The remake. Could you could you picture this getting as big as as uh, the game stuff or not really? Or it's just hard to tell. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's fucking hard to tell, man. I have no idea. I think this is what I think is going against it. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to get as big. Um, because I think it's harder to it's harder to put importance on just one movie and have everyone agree. Well, plus, because like I said these weren't the first times people saw those movies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas you can point at something like Mario and be like, that's important. And everyone's going to go, yes, yes, Mario is important. And same thing with Zelda. Sure. It's going to be hard to get that kind of general consensus on a movie. So I don't see any of them. I don't see there being a, a Mario 64 that goes for 1.5 million here. Well, we never thought that would go for 1.5 million. Sure. I mean, they think it was, it was right. like probably a $10,000 game. Most, you know, then it blows up a, a billion percent. I've been made to look uh, a fool. Well, so. but there was there was collusion with that, though. Like E.T. from an 88, a 1988 promo of E.T. went for $2,500. Uh, the Exorcist from 86 went for $1,000. That, that wasn't probably, was that the first version of that movie in 86? I wonder. Uh, first Blood twenty twenty two thousand five hundred for First Blood, um, box t- it was uh, rated a ten, so 
fresh fresh off Stallone's uh out of Stallone's uh, box of garbage it sounds like um there might be some crawl like I'm looking at some of the Friday 13th some of those original horror uh, ones were like kind of unique in the early 80s that came sure. out in the mid 80s but yeah I just I don't know I think also what had what was going for the graded games also I think the pandemic helped I think there was an influx of "quote unquote" like cheap money getting thrown around the time. There was sure. no, now we're seeing a little bit of inflation. There Free money, you know, like yeah, people. and people just tossing around money. And they're investing in crypto, which is now crash and NFTs. And like, there was it was like a perfect storm for for that stuff. Like okay, everyone knows about that. everyone grew up with Super Mario Brothers. Everyone had this, and now we got all this money to play with to make ourselves rich people even richer. Uh, this this one's insane. The Goonies. Goonies. I, I just, I literally uh, just scrolled to that. Holy shit. 50,000 50, for the, and I love Goonies. I watch a dub of it every day of my life. Uh, a Goonies one went for uh, $50,000. $50,000. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, original Grand ones were 5,500. Ghostbusters, 23,7. Yeah, so most of them are in the hundreds, which is like, okay, that's reasonable. If you want to just collect some weird movie, like you want to, uh, then again, I see a Kroll for 5,500. I was like, wow, I didn't know Kroll had a following at all. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so I don't know. But I do know this is that um, they might make the same same argument that well you know it's it's hard to find these games you know sealed but I would say well but the amount of the amount of people that collect VHS by and large was so much smaller and it was just basically like movie collectors that's wanting to have them versus sealed they're gonna have to like get past that sort of thing well, well these are sealed the other thing, last thing I'll bring up is this a sealed VHS tape by and large has the movie in it. Maybe like a coupon for something or a promo code. There's not the ephemera that's involved with most of these, especially the earlier VHS. When you got the earlier VHS stuff, you got the tape. I yeah. guess it. There wasn't like promo codes and like coupons. Because remember, for the first, I'd say five to six, seven years, the market wasn't for home buyers. It was for rental st- shops. They were too expensive for people to buy. So you weren't getting a lot of there wasn't like feelies involved, you know what I mean? Right. So that to me makes it less interesting on a service when you're really talking about well, what's preserved, preserved in quotes because this is taped that degrades naturally over time. Uh, it's just a better condition of the box. Right. That's it. There's not even stuff inside. There's and then, any, and I find uh, that too well, and I think it's not even so much the box, but the condition of the seal because like anything, and this is what I always think sealed stuff is so silly, uh, especially like records particularly. The shrink wrap shrinks over time and damages the corners of the box. So a lot of these, I don't, I really, I, I would have to look into it more, but I don't think condition of the box is really necessarily it, but it's condition of the seal. Just like how WADA grades the seal separately yes. from how they grade the box. Yeah. And so does VGA. They have the, the number and they have the, the gold or silver oh, right, or right, bronze. Right. They do the same thing. Uh, the last thing I'll talk about here, there is, there is a video game thing on here. I see. I think I saw. I think I saw a Captain N tape, but uh, there's uh, also a Zelda one. A Nintendo 64 Sports Preview, the ones they would ship you for free. Nintendo Power oh. went for seal went for two hundred nine dollars. There you go. So all right. Well, I guess we'll we'll track this. We'll see if there's any uh, any weird shit that happens. But so far, knock on wood, there's no like weird shenanigans happening uh, with this. Uh, part of the reason could be why maybe they, they realize people are aren't sitting on this to the same degree. Uh, you know, there's not like I said. If, if there was uh, movie uh, conventions with people running around buying every sealed VHS tape, I could tell you about it. Like I saw, you know, too many games a few years ago. But I guess we'll see uh, where this develops and where this story goes. And and real quick, we have an update, a slight update, update on the the uh, the Wada class action lawsuit. Um, it's it's not bad news. It's not good news. But there's a, there's a lot of procedural stuff going on right now. So looks like. Um, 
they're looking to change the venue. Uh, WADA and the and the umbrella company is looking to change the venue from California to Colorado. And why is that a potential big deal? And, and I emailed uh, uh, the lawyer, uh, who's very nice to get back to a peon uh, like me. <laughs> and, and they said that uh, there's there's basically this is this is a TLDR. There is there is less consumer protection laws overall in Colorado versus California. When it comes to false advertising in Colorado, there is no uh, class action lawsuit you're allowed to do for false advertising. I don't know why. It sounds like the, the law might be getting changed. So they want to change the venue from California to Colorado. Colorado is where WADA used to operate before they were bought out uh, last year. Now it's operating out of California. They're trying to change the venue back to there. If they accomplish that, that could potentially mean that the class action for for the false advertising would could not would have to be basically tossed or changed dramatically from that. That would be bad news. That would be bad news uh, versus individual lawsuits. You want to do the class action because right. it's meteor overall, right? Yes. Um, however, the RICO, the racketeering stuff, since that's still a federal, uh, since that's a federal statute, that would still be no matter what potentially in California. Yes. But if they couldn't potentially, I guess, tie that to the false advertising, it might be tough. Well, that's what I, that's what I was saying. Just looking at it. If you, the, the false advertising stuff is a pretty clear in, if you can act, if you're in a place that you can actually fight for that. Sure. Um, Rico is notoriously fucking difficult. I mean, it's almost like a joke how difficult Rico is. There's a is. high Speaking, threshold. There's a high threshold for what you have to do to prove it. It's conspiracy. Because, the, I mean, I mean, and that was, you know, not not to pull up uh, politics, but you look at the, I mean, the entire time Trump wasn't president, was, was president, mm-hmm. everyone's like, is this the Rico? We doing the Rico? We got the Rico? And no one has the Rico because it's fucking difficult to prove. It, it, it's difficult to make that happen. Sure. Um, so thanks to uh, Janine who reached out and answered our questions about it. Uh, the legalese I pretty much followed and they clarified for me uh, a bit. So um, it looks like um, in the summer, this will probably be you know decided whether or not this venue change is going to happen or not. Right. And then at that point, that'll steer it'll steer the lawsuit into one of two directions. It sounds like. Yes. So uh, cross your fingers. They don't get the venue change and it stays in California because that would be better better odds for that. But you know these these companies have have money to to blow and obviously defend themselves. They, they they do these purchases of these companies and you know you know we'll see what happens. Ian, we got a we got a Patreon, don't we? We do patreon.com uh, slash c podcast. You go. Oh, it might cost you a little money, uh, but you get uh, <laughs> it might cost you a little bit of money. You get you get the uh, free uh, you get the full video podcast. Uh, you get bonus bits. You get hangouts. Bonus. Uh, you get writings. I just posted one today. I'll uh, go in a little bit more into the 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 thing. Um, uh, 40th anniversary screening I saw yesterday, and you get to vote on these poll topics. In second place, 48. percent Wow, what a split! What existing IPs would make a great beat 'em up game? We can keep that. We can keep. We're going to keep that one because I could talk about that. You can. I'm glad you can talk about it, Frank. Uh, Frank, I called you Frank. Why call you Frank for it? I've never had my life. I have no idea. Because Frank can talk about a lot of things. First place, defending retro games that most people dislike. So, so I think about this. I think about conversations I get into with people, arguments with Ian on Twitter, Legend of Zelda, the stuff that comes up, uh, and and people people get get heated at times 
Um, and but but that's not a most though. Like Legend of Zelda, most people like Legend of Zelda. Sure. Even just a weirdo doesn't like it. But most people that dislike a game you like, why do you feel like talk about the experience of defending? Like what goes through your mind when you talk about, hey, I want to defend, I don't know, a Tom Sawyer on the NES? I I, I think the uh, the one that I'd actually use as an example um, is is Deadly Towers, Deadly a game Towers. that I do not hate. I don't hate Deadly Towers. Um, and I, I, Deadly Towers is, is a silly game. It's not an amazing game by any stretch of the imagination. And it's very weird because you're a knight and you're fighting slinkies and bouncing balls and, you know, <laughs> weird shit like that. And there are monsters and stuff in it, but like, there's a lot of just like weird throwaway enemies too, but it's got great music. I like the feel of it. I don't think the gameplay is really all that bad and it's an interesting game to play. But you find that people have these like, uh, very like knee jerk reactions to certain games. Well, and, Deadly Towers has a very specific reason why. Yes, and I'm getting to it. <laughs> uh, Deadly Towers has a specific reason why, and it's because uh, back in the late 90s, um, a popular writer, uh, Sean Baby, um, did a series of articles on retro games and what the worst retro games were. This one was the the 20 worst NES games of all time. Everyone that was around then that was into stuff read this article. Has read this article. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the opinions expressed in this article have kind of trickled down throughout the years to people who may not even be aware of this article. But much like, much like AVGN uh, is the beginning of like some people not like is the beginning of like certain games getting a bad rep. Sean Baby was the beginning of certain games getting a bad yeah. rep back then. The, like, 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 like the AVGN Ninja Turtles uh, video. If that never comes out, I don't think you have these people saying that was a terrible game because it's not a terrible game. It's a hard game, but it's not a terrible game yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Um and so he lambasted uh, uh, Deadly Towers. I think it was the number one worst game. Dead, Sean Baby, and I, and I love Sean Baby. I have a podcast com- coming up uh, with him I did on his, uh, what's it called real quick? The one the, the 1-900-Hot-Dogs uh, podcast. I, the thing. <laughs> anyway, so number the top five was Gilgan's Island, which does not belong in the top five. It's, it's, it's not the best game. It's not a horrible game. Tag Team Pro Wrestling, I don't think it should be the fourth. It's uh, bad, but it's... It's basically unplayable, man. Uh, Picking from a menu of moves. You can figure it out. X-Men, yes. Yes. One of the worst games. Heroes of the Lance, probably. I don't have a lot of experience with it. And then he put Deadly Towers number one on this list. So Uh, I feel like Deadly Towers was number one on the list because, I mean, one, like I said, admittedly, not a great game, but a decent game. And I think it has positives. But it's a goofy game that's easy to lambaste for the reasons I said. You've got this night walking around fighting slinkies bouncy balls um the game's not real clear in what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. um so it's it you know it's an easy one to uh, kind of you know poke fun at but you know as time goes on you find so many of these people the, the their opinions on what games are bad don't really come from actually having sat down and played them themselves it's these opinions that have kind of permeated the collector scene of whatever you're in same can be. Same thing happens with records. Same thing happens with movies. Everyone out there goes, "Oh, Hudson Hawk's an awful movie." I kind of like Hudson Hawk. It's like, have you actually seen it? Yeah, because now it's the, really not a bad so movie. The, the issue is that when this stuff gets in the pantheon now, like for example, the worst offender 
it, not that it's a bad game that people that rag on Super Mario Brothers 2 when it's a masterpiece. Or Castlevania 2, um, again, a, a game with problems that it does a lot of stuff right. Um, that's the problem. Is like for historical accuracy, you have to push back. As, as yes. people like in in this, this, this realm, you can't let people get away with it. And obviously, he's a common writer, Sean Baby, and I love Sean Baby. I have his T-shirt. I well, it's the, same, it's the same thing with AVGN. He's a, com- he's, a, he, he's a comedy show. It's a character. It's a character. Yeah. Uh, so this is funny in the article. I I don't know if I remember this at the time, but okay. So he, he basically said, graphic zero fun zero party use a five. You can play a drinking game with deadly towers. Have one of your friends, the smallest one in case you need to be restrained, play the game. The rest of the people watch and drink every time he vocally expresses his disgust with the game. You can theoretically take turns, but everyone would probably be too drunk to move in a few minutes. I remember that specifically reading that as, yes. as you know, 70 year old Pat back in the day. Um, Sean Baby was emailed by the producer of the game. This oh, is the really? article by uh, Alan Weiss. Uh, subject, Delhi Towers. It was originally titled Hell's Bells, but we couldn't use that. That's actually something I've heard of. I produced the game, and it wasn't that bad no. for the times. Some of the others are way worse. Nice to see it again, though, from Lego Media. Oh, okay, yeah, I, re- I do remember reading that. Yeah, I, it's and that's the thing. It's really, especially when you look at the others in the top five, X-Men should X-Men should be the number. X-Men's, X-Men, X-Men is a game that doesn't have a bad enough reputation, in my opinion. It is one of the shittiest games I have. It's You can't even really call the game. Half star. It's so fucking bad. I might have done a video with it with Storm years back. Yes. Um, but an awful game. Storm's one of those ones that I've always revisited because I'm like, maybe. Because you revisit a lot of like the LJN and crappier games and you realize, okay, there's something here. They're not all horrible. There is nothing good about X-Men. It's just miserable. Multiplayer simultaneous. I, 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 I mean, so, that's, so 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 you can so you can hurt someone else. So you so you can. <laughs> that's that's not a positive. Well, hurt someone, may, hurt that, someone else by them playing the yes, game. That, 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 right. That's what I mean. That makes yeah. it that makes it even worse. Have, not better. Have you seen that NES Punk video? Yeah, I saw that one. Oh yeah, Storm was looking cute. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta give that credit. Um, X Men. It's always to me the worst ones. The the bombs and half star games. Dragon's Lair, X Men, Where's Waldo, Cheetah Men Two, and Action Fifty Two. Like it's like those five to me. Like that's that's your list. Right. That's your like for by and large. That's your list of the worst games. And then a couple of Color Dreams ones get down to a half star, but they're usually like one star. So we're kind of amusing the graphics at least. All of those game. games, like you can see where they wanted it to be a good game, but it wasn't a good game. They just didn't have the skill. Yeah. Like Secret Scout and stuff like that. It's like, I, oh, there's some mining stuff going on here. There's like interesting ideas. They didn't or, have the skill. They didn't know how to program. Or the horribly named uh, Master Who and the Drunkard Chew. I, honestly, there's a decent game there somewhere. Yeah. Piratic is Piratic is complex. Actually, a good game. Sure. That's like because it's kind of open world exploration overhead shooters. Like this is interesting. It's not complex. Like that they, they, they could. Like, they were too ambitious sometimes for what they want. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, do something small. Anyway, so um, uh, so the personal bias, I put that in a note, like, when you see personal biases come in. It, I think there's a need to defend some games when you could tell people either didn't play it when it came out mm-hmm. or they don't have the, the sort of breadth of knowledge of the console or the system. And obviously, we're older. We've been around for most of it. But I would never dare to say... Certain Atari games are like horrible because I don't have the experience with the whole library to say that. I might say they're worse than this. But or, I, you know, I, I, I try, I try uh, to look at them. I do try to look at them from the time they came out. For instance, Haunted House is not a game I go back to play yeah. with any regularity, but I get why people liked it back then. Sure. Adventures deemed a classic. 
I'm not going to rag on it because you're a single pixel running around at the time. That was that was unique and, and different to have that on, you know, on Atari, a semi sort of open world game uh, like that in Atari or, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not going to rag on, uh, I'll rag on Pac-Man. That was terrible back then. I mean, that, that was just an abomination back then. Uh, I mean, that was, that was disappointing back then. Come on. When you yeah. play that, when you play oh, yeah. that, no, when you're like, this is terrible. Can't play it. The Atari uh, Pac-Man. Yeah. Atari Clarify. Yes. Um, but like, you know, playing Spider-Man was fun. Like you have to, Remember, if you if you're out there saying, "Oh, this is this is an age world," this was bad. Like, remember, you try to remember the experience of people at the time. That's how you have to try to grade those experiences at the time. What was this like against its against its contemporaries? Did it did it set a new bar? Was it a lot worse? But like I said, I'm I'm not even willing to go down that route. I've ne- you'll never hear me say this is the worst Atari game ever because I have no idea. I just sure. don't. I don't. I haven't played enough of them to know. I should I've, clearly say what the worst Nintendo game ever. Is, yeah, so. so we played enough of them over the marathons and, and our experience to know that. And if I, know, I do think if I had to make the call, it would be X Men. I'd rather play well, Dragon Slayer over X Men. Over Cheetah Man Two, or X Fifty Two, because there's some charm to some of those dumb games. Yes, there's some charm. X Men is just devoid of any charm. Anything even ironically enjoyable. It's. Uh, Fucking bad. There's mutant powers you use and it drains your energy. That drains your energy. <laughs> and you don't see your energy until you hit pause. I mean, that's kind of bad. Bad. So bad. I just, yeah, I, that was far. That's one of those ones that in the book, we don't know who did the dev. That's one of the two games we don't know who did the dev. It's one of a couple of companies. There's no, there's no clue. It's, there, it wasn't uh, Beam. I thought it was potentially Beam. No, there's, it's, uh, I forget. There was like one or two companies that was like, we don't know who did it. Uh, there's clues uh, for that one. The other, the other one was um, one of the two Godzilla games. Toho published it, and I think the, the dev was still unknown. Anyway, so like the game that was so like incompetent. Now we're just ragging X Men. You didn't know what your health bar was, right? And so when you use your special power, like for Iceman, you float around quick. It drains your power. Yeah. So like, which is fine as a as a use, but like if you don't know your power, you just die. You'll just die. Well, and the point of of being able to do that is to avoid spikes. So if I'm going to go over the or, spikes and lose health because I'm using the power, or if I'm going to go over the spikes and or the or the worst thing, the gates that open and close at yeah. erratic intervals. Yes, you could die anyway because you used up your power. The, the, you literally, ca- it's a gamble. You literally cannot time it. it. It's Russian roulette on the NES. It's fucking awful. And not the Russian. And roulette. not the Rus- super not Russian play. roulette. Not super Russian roulette that we both have a copy of. Fine I game. We've got the holsters. Though. That's okay. I'm not sure that those ever came out. There we go. Oh, I don't know. Call them out. But, um, anyway, so that was fun. Um, any, others, any others that you like to defend in, in, the, in the sort of... The, uh, Tom Sawyer is one that you brought up, but I just thought it was way easier to bring up. Uh, um, it's one of the popular ones, like people that go after Zelda 2. And I was just like... Oh, yeah. Sure. I love Zelda 2. I mean, I love... I, it's my favorite Zelda. I feel like talking to people, like when, we, when this game came out, do you realize how through the fucking moon we were when this game came out? Like, we, realize, we didn't have uh, we didn't have a set style in which Zelda was yeah, supposed to be made. There wasn't thirty Zelda games yet. Right. We had one, and there was nothing in the laws of video games that said, "Well, the sequel has to be exactly like the original and how it looks and how it functions." That this wasn't a thing. That's why again, Super Mario Two was like, "Holy shit! You can pick up enemies and throw them. You can pick up turnips. This is cool." That was just evolution of what we were playing. Evolution. Yeah, it was great. It was great. That was funny. We got a Patreon poll. We just did that. We got voicemails. We go do. to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go, you leave a voice message. You know, try to keep it uh keep it short and sweet, not too much of the, the fellatio on us virtually. And you know, get in and get out and hopefully not insult me like that guy did last week about the Frank question saying, Why would he hang out with a bore like me? I'm gonna come after you, sir. Here's the first one. 
Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Vince again from Roseville, California. Vince! Uh, I was just wondering, we've uh, heard a lot about Ian's uh, past jobs. And, uh, Pat, I think you said you worked at Suncoast uh, earlier on. but he- Oh, did I? I did a whole video about that that got tons of views at the time. You can go search for that. Sorry. You guys talk more about your, your early jobs and how those kind of formed you into the fine young man you are today. Thanks, guys. I'm an old man now. I, I, um, Ian and I both have done a variety of jobs uh, throughout the years. Menial jobs, you know, intermediary. I worked in an office. Uh, which was the worst. I probably worse than Suncoast working in an office, even though the pay was decent. I, I think the way it, it's basically shown me that, like, ha, like the it gives you a, it gives you an appreciation for where you came from versus now. It, it is sort of the thing where well, it builds character. I do believe that to an extent because there is a difference between at least on YouTube. I would say like people that you know like just got into YouTube without having a job. They act differently. They act like uh, like entitled some, sometimes, not all. Very bratty. And it's an appreciation of what, like, working hard in terms of, like, long hours, not respected by people in charge of you, maybe sexually harassed, maybe sexually discriminated against. You know, like, when you go through some of these things at jobs and then you get away from it, it's like, well, I went through that. And now it's a lot better. It gives you a perspective, I think, on things that sometimes it lacks with some people when they don't go through that. That's all. I'm not saying everyone has to work awful jobs. I pray you don't have to. But when you at least do that, you say, okay, I've been through the trenches. I know what it's like. I agree with – I 100% agree with the general sentiment. So I, to talk a little bit about it, uh, my prior jobs to Luna and what I do now, uh, I mostly worked in restaurants. Um, mostly worked in restaurants and I did just about everything you could do in a restaurant from bartend to cook, to dishes, to bus, to table waiting, to managing banquets. We're uh, a hairnet. We're a hairnet. Uh, no, no, I didn't. Um, and, and, and people say it and I, it's, it's kind of a joke, but I think it's true. Everyone should have to work six months in a restaurant. Or in the service industry, because it will make you a better fucking person because you get to see all of the assholes. You become a much more patient person when you see how that stuff runs. So you don't sit down at a table and act like a fucking asshole to someone else who's maybe just having a bad day or maybe it's the kitchen's fault. Well, that's or any, maybe get, no one showed up. That's any retail job. I think it'd be just working at a restaurant, any, anything, any service job, any job where someone is, is catering yes. to you. Getting no, you absolutely. Things. I'm just a, saying a, a hotel clerk, someone working in and marshals, a cashier at, at a grocery store, which I, I worked at the grocery store, and did every single job. That's my sort of similar thing. I, I did basically did everything there. Um, so just to know that, like, there's people that do these things for you. They're not being paid that well, potentially. And it's like it's a, it, it, there's a there's a power difference there when you're working there in terms of like, you know, what I mean, and, and I think you have to, like, make sure that you realize those are people, individuals. Treat them, treat them well. Treat them how you want to be treated. I know it's corny. Treat people how you want to be treated. Like, like when you have a bad day at work at the office, there's people that are having bad days at the office when they're behind a desk at a hotel, when they're when they're uh, you know being a waiter, when they're a bartender. You have to keep that in mind. But now they have to deal with your dumbass and and a hundred people after you. Like that's all. Hey guys, uh, DJ Piracy here from Huntsville, Alabama. A uh, longtime fan, and I completely agree with just about everything you've said regarding the Amico and Tommy Talrico. However, do you find it interesting that he actually composed some soundtracks that were pretty decent from a couple of games, and the whole way that it fits into Interplay and how they came about, and how this really seems like something that you would have wanted 
to be good from these guys and just turned out all wrong? I don't look at people. The, the, the people behind a project doesn't matter. It's the project itself. Sure. I, I root for the if the project's good or I, I think it's good or not. And, and nothing. I, and, no offense. Uh, nothing to me is interesting about Tommy Tallarico. He's one of and, the least interesting people I think I've ever had the pleasure of covering. And his career, pe- the music in the 90s, mid to late 90s. So it's like, it's not. I've always. Uh, and I've, yeah. So it's like, who cares? Like, that's another generation ago. I've joked on here, but I mean this honestly. The most and only interesting thing about Tommy Tallarico to me is maybe his balsamic vinegar collection. I honestly didn't know who he was before video game years. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. Sure. I had no idea he did soundtracks. I had no idea he was on. I don't uh, think I knew who shows. he was until the uh, first NES marathon we did, and someone was talking about his soundtrack on uh, Call Dinosaur. Dinosaur. I didn't know about his. He, he was on, on two shows. The one in Canada. He's a fucking nobody. Hi guys, this is Jamie from Toledo, Ohio. I was glad to see you enjoyed the presents I got you for Christmas. I'm sure Frank enjoyed his as well. My question is this. Did you ever have a friend or someone that you knew who insisted something about video games that wasn't true? A buddy of mine tried to tell me once that all games that were released on the the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, for example, Beavis and Butthead um, and Aladdin, were the same game except for sound and graphics. And then someone else tried to tell me that all games were released in Japan before they were released in North America. I heard Thanks, that. guys. Love the pod. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Uh, because some were, but like not all, but some were. Obviously, the ones that were produced there. I mean, most, honestly, but not all. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Most of oh, there, that there, era. There were NES uh, sure. North American and European devs where sure. it came out here first. Or uh, not there at all. I, yeah, the answer is yes. I, I mean... Childhood is full of that shit. I can't remember anything specific. Spy Hunter, you get out of your car and you fight and you get the helicopter. It's like you heard that shit. And the helicopter thing was proposed for the game, but like it has, it has an ending. No, it doesn't, asshole. You want me to play Spy Hunter for three hours? Yeah. Ruin my eyes. Yeah, that stuff happens all the time. Uh, I mean, you, you heard about the Mortal Kombat stuff. Uh, you heard about all the NBA Jam. Oh characters. yeah, nudalities and stuff like I, that. I remember the I remember, I remember the NBA Jam stuff. Some of you tells me, oh, Bill Clinton's in the game. Well, he was in one of the versions. The problem was like they they changed out the, the chipset on him and got they swapped. Yeah, I don't think I, as uh, kids we weren't aware of the fact that yeah. these games weren't just released and done. There was multiple yes. versions, and multiple the iterations of them. They got they got Shaq and Barkley out of that game willy nilly when, yeah. when when their rights were were up. They're only in the first version of it, I believe, not even the second one uh there they were gone by obviously by te they were gone bunch of knuckle hedge uh next one here hey pat hey Ian. my name is jordan and i love the show recent closures of digital storefronts i find a lot of the discourse from gamers is over the preservation of these games but in actuality this would be an issue over accessibility personally i find it unlikely that big companies like nintendo or sony don't have backups of their modern titles do you guys think accessibility and preservation are the same thing? And should we differentiate the two when discussing store closures like this? We did an entire topic about this, I believe, like three, four months ago, five months ago. Sure. They're, they're different. They bleed in a little bit, but they are different. And yes, that's a good point. Nintendo has backups. I mean, they've had the data leaks where they have all the stuff. Yes. They, they, they have stuff. However, I, um, I, I, true, I don't think that's an assumption that should be made at all. For most developers, though, I mean the understanding is that most Sony, publishers? Pu- well, yeah. publishers, developers. The understanding is a lot of these places don't have particularly robust um, archives of their stuff. So I, I, you can't make that assumption. I think I think that is something that is that is worth you know fretting about when these things go down. Yeah, but I I would think you you 
God, you think that most digital stuff in the modern age, there's a backup somewhere. There's someone home. has yes, it. Yes, sure. In the 80s and 90s. And yeah, I guess I'm more talking yeah. about like the, yeah, bef- before that. Sure. I'm thinking I'm, of it. I'm thinking more the past 20 years. Sure. Okay. Like everyone should have a copy of something somewhere. It's just whether or not people know about it. Hey, Pat and Ian Miles here from Portland, Oregon. Hope to see you all at PRGE again sometime Portland. soon. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got a question for each of you. First, Ian. Let's say the two of you are picked up by a major studio for a three-picture deal to make a trilogy about the train wrecks that were the Coleco Chameleon, Atari VCS, and Intellivision Amico, and you're chosen to cater each of those premieres. Which sandwich are you pairing with each train wreck console? Now, Pat, my question for you is, how much do I got to up my Patreon subscription by every month for you to just once let Ian finish a sentence without interrupting him? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Love you guys. Um, what? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting you guys in detention every week. You're insulting me now. What? I don't let Ian. I always cut off Ian. Uh, is that true, Ian? You do. Do I cut you off? What? Yeah. Uh, so for the Coleco Chameleon, uh, it would probably be the shipwreck from, uh, uh, Chris's Deli in Ocean Beach. Uh, when we were covering that, I was eating a lot of Chris's Deli sandwiches. So when I was saying, I owe this person a sandwich during the Coleco Chameleon era, or I would buy this person a sandwich, it would probably be a Chris's Liquor and Deli sandwich. Um, the VCS itself. I can't believe you're giving this thought. The VCS itself, (laughs) uh, Honestly, wasn't eating a whole lot of sandwiches then, so maybe a peanut butter and jelly. And for the um, uh, Amico, I've been really into French dips lately. Well, how does that connect to the Amico? Is there a Doesn't I'm just I'm, I'm thinking about sandwiches that I eat while I, I've been big on during the course oh, of something. Okay. I've been real big on like roast beef sandwiches. I was trying to think of French like, dips, like the Tallarico sandwich. What that would be. Oh, uh, a classic Italian torpedo. No, 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 you missed it. There's placeholder meats. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You open it up, there's nothing there. There's like lettuce, there's like no meats, no no cheese. I'll do a few more here. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Dustin from Akron, Ohio. I was rewatching the Flea Market Madness videos and was just wondering what your guys' best all time flea market or swap meet or garage sale scores are. I'm sure Clay Fighter's Sculptor's Cut for five bucks has to be up there. Oh, it's up there. That's up there. But at the time, that wasn't worth nearly what it now that the car alone is probably like a thousand or something. When I got it, it was like probably 150, mm-hmm. 125 mm-hmm. back then. That was like nine, 10 years ago. Um, I talked about the, the night vision goggles, as I still have, have to get repaired because they went fuzzy for some reason. The night vision goggles were like worth over a thousand when I got it for 10 bucks. Jaguar in the box I got way back now. That's probably worth over a thousand. That's over a thousand. Uh, I got that for like 25 bucks. One of the first things I got, remember the same person had that and they had Marvel versus Capcom t- two on, on OG Xbox, which was hard to find. Yes. And, I, and that was sealed too. And I have that still sealed somewhere. Um, and those are probably the best Seal ones. And my, but my favorite one was a garage sale randomly in New Jersey in the late 2000s. I found uh, one of the four packs of muscle men, the muscle men from the mid 80s. Yeah. Uh, the four pack unopened. I was like shocked to see something like that at a garage sale. So then sometimes I had one of them, the little car one with the four, I think it was four pack that they had. I had, I got that. 
My favorite find ever, I've said it a billion times, was my World of Nintendo fiber optic light that I got from a dude who was selling a tele, uh, typewriter and a couple of old tires. And that was literally the extent of what he had at the flea market. I got it for $10, uh, loved it, never shipped it out here, uh, was getting to the kind of the point where I wanted to get it shipped out here from my parents' house. And when I got sick, I sold it because it was an easy couple thousand of dollars. That was a couple grand. I, like, I got, I think, G's? I can't remember what I got for it, but I got a couple grand for it, and I needed it. I was fucking sick. So, Ian, Pat, this is Matt from Rochester, New York, right. again. No, just listening to uh, our friends' voicemails from last week of certain wrestlers calling him, even from beyond the grave, got me thinking: What wrestler would you ever like to talk to on the phone if they some for some reason called you? Personally, mine would be The Rock just because he was so great on the mic. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that doesn't mean he'd be a good conversationalist, though. Right, because my two favorite wrestlers are, you know, if I if I were to think of them off the top of my head, Macho Man Randy Savage, great on the mic, but I don't think I would want to talk to him in real life. For what people say, he was very smart about the business and very... Sure, I mean, he, yeah. I could have, but I would have loved my second, fa- my other favorite wrestler, who I would have loved to have chatted with about all sorts, Eddie Guerrero. I would have loved to have talked to Eddie. Steve Austin is pretty damn intelligent. He knows a lot about the business, and yeah, he's pretty sharp. He's, he's entertaining. I, I, talking to Steve would be good. Get get on his get on his, get on his podcast sometime. Uh, good old Stone Cold. Um, that'd be pretty good. One, I think he's he's pretty intelligent. I'll do a few more here. Hey guys, this is Dave from Long Island. I was wondering if you had to pick only five games that um, to have complete and box examples of that were significant either to you or to the history of video games in general. Uh, what that top five would be. Um, I recently completed my top five, uh, and that would be Super Mario Brothers and Zelda on NES, the original PS1 long box of Resident Evil, uh, Pokemon Green on the Game Boy, and Donkey Kong on the Famicom. Thank you. Uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, I would love my uh, big box copy of Doom 2 back again from when I was younger, the one that my dad bought. A PC? Uh, on PC. Uh, a, complete, uh, a complete copy of Zelda 2. Um, a complete copy of uh, Wipeout 3, a complete copy of Ridge Racer 4 with the uh, with the JogCon, and um, honestly, probably some sort of adventure game, Sierra or LucasArts. Yeah, I, I have those. I'm trying to think if I, if I had to narrow down. Basically, you want to narrow down your gaming life to five games. Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, uh, Space Quest. The VGA one that I got, remake one I got at the the bin at Kitty City, not Kitty City KB, and they had the PC game bin. It was oh, yeah. they're they like discounted like hell. They were great, like like five ten dollars for a game. Um, God, I would also put a complete copy of R Type on there, but I just don't know what version. That's a tough. Yeah, that's, a but that's tough why one. I literally just started talking because <laughs> I knew if I think about it, I'll I'll constantly second guess myself. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what would be the other two that would I would get there. It's kind of tough to narrow that list down. Um, let's see. One more. You want to do one more before well, chicken? Oh, uh, do one more. All right. <laughs> well, they're like seventies. Hey, Pat and Ian. It's Patrick from Elgin, Illinois. My question's for Pat. Hey, Pat. I know you've talked about James Bond a few times here and there on your channel, and I was curious if you had to put the James Bond actors from best to worst, what would be your list? Thank you. Okay. Uh, worst one by far is Roger Moore. And that's not to say he had his charm, but his era of Bond was awful, and there was only really two and a half good movies for your eyes only. 
um, and uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. Maybe a little bit of Octopussy is decent. And then I still, I actually haven't seen all uh, Live and Let Die. It's the only Bond movie and View to a Kill I haven't seen. But Moore was not someone you that could throw a punch, even fictionally. Did not look like he was tough. Would never be a, a, a killer. Uh, after that, uh, damn! I, I didn't realize how many he did. I mean, that's a long era of bad the, Bond he movies. Did the most Bonds? One, two, three, four, like five, six, seven. He did seven? Yeah, that's the yeah. most uh, one. Uh, well, Ty's Connery, uh, I believe. Uh, Lazenby only did one, right? Yes, and Lazenby, I almost had to. He has to come out of this conversation. And I love Sir George Lazenby. He was a super nice guy. I spoke to him for five minutes at Comic Con about ten, eleven years ago. Um, he only did one. He got. He got like he didn't have enough time to get his get his feet under him, and I wish he could have done a couple more, because Connery came back for Diamonds Are Forever and slept through the through the role just to get money, and it was awful. And Diamonds Are Forever is one of the worst Bond movies. Um, after that, it gets tougher. The the, the, the top three are oh, okay. No, okay, next is Brosnan. Brosnan's a pretty boy, doesn't look tough at all. I love uh, Pierce Brosnan overall as an actor, not as Bond. I do not like him as Bond. And uh, a couple of those movies are really bad. And then the top three are tough because they're all good for different reasons. Connery, uh, Dalton, uh, and Daniel Craig. They all look like they can kill someone. They're all tough. They're all more brooding. Um, and then it's tough. Like, it's really tough there. Craig probably is a little bit too morose and dry, but he's a, he, he's a guy looks like he fits the part. Connery obviously established the roles and is iconic. The humor, he they basically Fleming started tailoring the books before he died towards Connery's uh, portrayal uh, a little bit uh, before he passed away, I believe. And then Dalton only had two, but if you read any Bond movies, it, he played it as it was written. Like Dalton's the if closest you read any to Bond the, books. The liter- he's he's closest to the literary Bond and how he looks, how he acts. So Dalton is my favorite, and people are going to say I'm nuts, but you go watch his portrayal. Unfortunately, the movies here were in was License to Kill is kind of hardcore. License to Kill is a fucking hardcore movie, revenge movie. Like, that's a good one. Um, and then Living Dale is kind of fluffier. If Dalton had stayed on for GoldenEye like they wanted him to, that could have been arguably the best Bond movie ever if it was Dalton instead of Pierce Brosnan. For Goldeneye, he wanted to be done with the uh, character by then because he had done it since for, since eighty seven. Right, that is like the, the one of the greatest what ifs. If there was like two or three more Dalton movies, because there was a big uh, loss. There was no movies for six years. There was no Bond movie between between um, eighty nine and ninety five because there was like a dispute about the rights and shit. If Dalton had a couple more movies, at least I think we, he'd be more fondly remembered. And, that, and that's my what I gotta say about that. Uh, we have a special call in from someone. Um, who, who just uh, came out of a came out of a, a hearing recently that has some comments on on. Uh, let's just, let's just play this. Hello, good morning. This is Johnny, fresh out of one court case and diving straight into another. Uh, I had been trying to obtain a refund for my Intellivision Amico pre-order, and it was taking an awfully long time. So. I took it upon myself to email Mr. Tallarico personally, and surprisingly, he suggested that I go and um, fuck myself. And I really didn't want to stoop down to his level and start, you know, talking like him, so I simply wrote back, legal incoming. And it's crazy, because this is actually worse than when I found that uh, fecal matter in my bed, because it was much easier to 
clean up that mess than it has been just getting my money back for this. And my attorney advised me not to speak to reporters, but you guys are just shelf collectors, so it doesn't really matter one way or another. Oh, I did not know Mr. <laughs> Depp listened to the podcast. I did not know that. I did not know. Well, he's, he's older than us. He's in his mid-50s. He, he's the prime audience for an Intellivision amico. He grew up with the Intellivision, maybe, there. <laughs> no comment from me. No. <laughs> well, that's it for this podcast. Yeah, that's it for this one. We had fun. I only cut off Ian about twice during this podcast. So yeah, it was good. better. Thanks, Ian. We should have a counter for that. Um, I'm gonna go eat food. You know, we food. I'm gonna go edit, and I have to. I have to pack, and then I have a flight tonight. I'm leaving on a jet plane and going to eat Friendly's ice cream this week. Nice. And, and going and going to a real diner and going to uh, the shore. The shore. And, and hopefully, I see GI Joe the movie on Thursday. So you say? Basically, I say screw screw my family. Go see it. I'm just saying. I mean, it's I once in a lifetime. Right? I, I mean, don't think it's like that much to ask to just go see it. Unless I wait five years from now, they do the 40th, right? If they, do, I mean, fives and zeros. Well, we'll have to see if the 35th anniversary does enough for them to go to the 40th. So either way, I got to buy a ticket online to yes. support. You at least got to support it. I did read that they are planning a new cartoon series, Ooh. which hasn't been one in like nine years, um, and they are planning one. I think they said it's going to come out. Originally, it was this year. Or this being next year, I haven't heard anything about it, but. They're starting to maybe prime the pump for G.I. Joe stuff finally. He's like, come on, you can do it. I didn't talk about Steph Curry at all, winning the finals at all. Maybe a jam shirt. It was a good time. It was, it was good. It was it was schadenfreude and, and, and petty Curry going after all the tractors. I fucking loved it. I had a high for a day and a half. Justice, finally, for Steph Curry. All right. We'll see you later. Bye, everyone.